What is up, man? Patrick James here. Episode 8, hashtag raw and relentless. If you're hearing my voice right now, then you are listening to the audio-only version of the podcast on probably Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts at. But that said, yeah, I could film all these cool little intros for the audio-only version. I might start putting some Easter eggs in these little powwows that we do before the episode starts. But real quick, I want to introduce you to the, this episode. We just got done filming it. I'm super Super excited for you to hear what's in store. I brought my man Clark Kegley back on. If you don't remember Clark, he was on episode three, world famous drummers, gone on world world tours. But on this episode, we go deep on a topic that we both really relate on low key that we didn't even get to touch on his episode from episode three, uh, which is the whole UFOs and aliens conspiracy and how we got deep into the rabbit hole and all the mind blowing things about space and, and aliens potentially being here and even ancient civilizations, things that are rooted in actual science that you can look up so a lot of this stuff you'll hear some of our excitement as the the podcast goes on behind the topic we've both obviously done a lot more research into the topic than we like to lead on on the surface but um just know that this is a fun one if you smoke a little bit of weed beforehand it's probably going to be blowing your mind a little bit more so than normal um i definitely was not high on this podcast so don't judge me for that um but these are definitely some of those things that you think about late at night after you've taken a 200 milligram edible and you're just contemplating your place in the universe. Um, so we get we get pretty raw and relentless on this one, if I must say so myself. So that said, even towards the end of the podcast, we started talking about things like the keys to happiness, energy, law of attraction, things that Clark likes to go deep on on his own YouTube channel. So that said, YouTube... If you don't already know, we do have a YouTube channel. Go and check us out on YouTube so you can watch the episodes in addition to listening to these episodes as well. That said, here is Raw and Relentless Episode 8. Clark Kegley, sit back, relax, and enjoy yourself. Some R&R. I, I got love for the game. I am really excited for this one because me and Clark, if you haven't already seen his previous episode where we talked about his story, business, everything, go back and watch that. He's got a really cool uh, story, really motivational stuff from the last podcast. I was getting amped just editing it myself. But this one, we wanted to continue the conversation where we left off because the last time he was here, which is only like two weeks ago, um, let's be honest, uh, we ended wanting to talk about aliens, but we were already like an hour, 40 minutes in. So we were like, let's save it for the next one. Well, aren't you in for a treat? Cause today is that next one. Welcome to the show. Clark Kegley. Thanks man. You're wearing the NASA shirt. <laughs> I had to put it on again. I actually wore it last time to, re to remind myself to talk about this stuff with you, but then I didn't even do it. Yeah. And so now it looks like we're wearing the same shit. Are you, are you wearing the same shirt too? Well, dude, I, um, I was in the store, <clears throat> excuse me, store. And I saw they had NASA shirts and they were really sick. And I'm like, oh, it was after we talked about talking about aliens. Mm. Um, and I was like, okay, I got to see if there's matching shirts, same size, because you're probably like a large, right? I'm like, okay, I'm going to get these. And they only had extra small. So <laughs> I, maybe I should have got them. That would have been more fun. Yeah. I would have, I can imagine here. myself wearing an extra small on this show. Yeah. Fuck it. It's yeah. my show. They're not going to fire me. That's right, man. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm stoked to talk and riff. Um, we're not experts by any stretch of the imagination i would consider us enthusiasts based enthusiasts, on our conversation for sure explorers searchers yeah. 
researchers. Which is fun. I think that's some of the fun conversations because if you're too deep into it and you know all the facts, it's almost yeah. not even fun to talk to that person. Well, you know they research probably 20 hours a week on it. Like we've met those people or we've seen those people like they're an encyclopedia in their head. They're talking about Roswell. They're talking about all these things, all these papers that have come out. And I'm just like, how do you how do you function knowing yeah. all that? So I, I feel like I'm a comfortable level of awareness with what's real, what's not real, what's proven, what's not proven. And part of the fun about aliens and talking about stuff is the unproven stuff. So it's not like I, 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 that's where it gets weird, man, like creating content around it. If you approach it with a lighthearted approach, like, hey, this shit's crazy. Like none of us really know the facts because it's impossible to with all the cover ups and secrecy around it. But like what if, you know, and I think people get scared away from asking the like, what if question because they're going to get ridiculed or whatever. So yeah. I don't know, man, fuck it. Like it's, it's a fun topic to talk about. Like there's mm -hmm. no bigger question than are we alone? Yeah. You know, what's funny is like, I've gone through a lot of different phases. It's almost like I'm trying to deny that I'm deep in the rabbit hole on aliens and UFOs. And so I went through a phase where I was completely convinced this is real. And then I went through a phase where I was like, what is life? I could have sworn this shit was not real. I could have sworn it was a joke when I was growing up for the first 25 years of my life. Actually, 28 years of my life, you know? Um, and now I'm like, maybe this is just the shit that nobody's ever talked about growing up because they're too afraid to put it in the history books. And dude, I think that's a whole other topic on its own. Aside from the fact that it's just aliens and UFOs, anytime, like for example, um, Who's the guy who wrote uh, uh, Magicians of the Gods and oh, Fingerprints of the Graham Gods? Graham Hancock. Graham Hancock, right? Perfect example. He's not an alien, pro-alien, but he is pro, hey, we have all these ancient civilizations. Yeah. Gobekli, go Tepe, you know, you name it. Is that the one that's the on Mount Titty, Mount Titicaca? Oh, it's in Turkey. Okay. Gobekli Tepe. Okay. It's the, the sheep farmer discovered it. Really? It, yeah, he was just out and about one day. I just watched... Uh, I think it was Ancient Aliens episode on it. Yeah. He was just out and about, and then he started digging because he saw something peeking up, and then he discovered Golbeki Tepe, which is, I believe it's the most widely considered oldest monument that we have. Right. Ever. Well, and it's buried underground. What's crazy about that is he's saying it's a 12,000-year-old civilization, and obviously it's signs of advanced technology, yeah. right? There's 3D carvings carved out of the stone. Right, meaning that it's like a 3D thing out. Yeah. They carved the rock around it with like lasers and shit. Right. Twelve thousand years old, ten thousand years before the pyramids or yeah. six thousand something Allegedly like that. Allegedly, when they were built, and that's the coolest thing about like Graham Hancock's work and stuff. And I've read like his books and watched all his podcasts and like have a journal filled with like notes. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is the answers, yeah. man. You know, um, it's really cool because he's so deep into it and presents things in such a way that's like logically you can accept it and make sense. And it dispels this whole, like uh, you, th there's a couple different branches with aliens. All right. Just to lay the lay of the land for people. Like there's the conspiracy group who thinks that we literally are covering up every single thing. Like, you know, Tom DeLonge style. It's the end of the world. The Russians and us are working together. We're going to fight together. We have contact with ETs, all that stuff. Then I think there's like, the other camp, which I would consider myself in, which is more like the ancient civilization camp, like alien is kind of, okay, however you define alien ET, like there's things that are like this microphone's alien, you know, it's a weird technology with Wi-Fi and 
recording everywhere in a cloud. Like that's pretty fucking alien, you know? So like to even define that's hard, but I love talking about like that ancient stuff, like Gobekli Tepe. And that's why Graham stuff's really yeah. uh, badass. Well, the, even the stuff with Graham, uh, is like, he's not pro alien, but he still gets shunned by scientists because Think like anybody who's like super Christian, even though they're a scientist and they're studying things that directly contradict what the Bible say, but in their own head, their own, they're, they're not, they're able to believe contradicting thoughts, even though they think it's just because they think it's acceptable with like mainstream and religion and whatnot. And so my point is people like him get shunned just because his viewpoint on his findings just don't match what people want it to be, which I think is the exact opposite of what science should be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, man. I, I was reading his stuff and he was talking about ancient Egypt and that is one of my favorite rabbit holes to go down. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cause I, yeah, the ancient stuff, right? Like you date the pyramids and people are saying what, I don't know, six between eight and 6,000 years ago, something like that. Yeah. They were built. Um, and then you look at the Sphinx and it's older and there's this whole conflict where religion gets brought in there. Because, uh, you know, they don't want to admit that something's older than that because I believe the Quran or, uh, you know, their texts that they go off, Egyptologists go off and hugely religious over there only dates back to around 6,000 years or something. So to even say that something's older than that, and I could have the dates wrong or whatever, but they're saying that this is inaccurate in our holy text, which means it's not uh, literal. And so they can't, by just believing that religion, they can't actually say, oh, this might be older. We can't, we can admit this evidence. And that's the whole like battle right there between Egyptologists who own the freaking thing, right? And they're doing the research and independent people who are like, wait, there's water erosion. Last time there was water here, it was like 12,000 years ago. Like this doesn't match. Yeah. And that to me is really crazy and really cool to like dive into because, you know, sometimes the people closest to it, they might have a vested interest to uphold a certain belief. Yeah. Do you feel like the uh, kind of the ancient civilizations and stuff, Graham Hancock, do you feel like any of that is tied into the whole UFO conspiracy? I mean, to yeah, to bounce all over. I, I, I think like, so like I went to Egypt, right? And it's crazy over there, man. Like if you guys haven't been to Egypt you know, plane tickets, like a thousand bucks round trip to get there. So it's, you know, it's that, but it's super cheap over there. Beer is the strongest I've ever had. They have like 10% beer, no regulations, like a buck. You have to go buy it from this guy's, uh, I thought I was buying like meth. All right. I just asked our driver. I'm like, Hey, you know, there's beer around here. He's like, Oh yeah. And he took us around this alleyway. And then there's this metal gate that they have to put up and you have to go in this basement and there's all this beer. I'm like, geez, I'll take that. And it's like 10% just get blasted, whatever. But like when you're in Egypt, dude, and you're climbing on the pyramids, like you can actually go there. And there was no one there when we were there because it was everyone was so scared of it. And so you're touching the Great Pyramid, like really in your hands right there. You're feeling it. You can like climb up on the first or second or third one. No problem. Like it's insane how just open it is, you know, and like, yeah, it's just it's just really powerful, too, because like then the sad part is you go into like their museum where they have the mummies, right? And the mummies perfectly preserved, eyelashes still intact, everything you see online, it's exactly like that. And they say no flash photography, but then you have all these people like doing selfies and stuff. And I'm just sitting there like, man, like this Pharaoh, 
built a whole fucking pyramid, wanted to be buried with his riches so he could be left the fuck alone. Yeah. And now he's just under some like fluorescent lights getting selfies taken with him. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. And then you walk outside and they don't have any money to fix up their museum. So you have these artifacts that are like thousands and thousands of years old with giant signs that say, please do not climb or touch the oxen or whatever the fuck it yeah. is, right? And people are like riding the bowl and like taking selfies. And I'm just sitting there like, oh my God, there's like a water leak in the corner, <laughs> like dripping on a tablet that's yeah. thousands of years old. I'm like, it, it gave me a lot of anxiety going there, but yeah. it was badass at the same time. You know what gave me a lot of anxiety? Watching the universe on Netflix last night and they're talking about galaxies and how they're formed and how big they are and where we are in the universe yeah. Shit was blowing my mind, man. Yeah. Gave me anxiety. And ironically, I took an uh, an edible last night to fall asleep, and it kicked in about two hours later when I started watching this stuff. Yeah. And, man, I, I wrote a couple of, of notes. One oh. of them that I was telling Chris about off camera before we got before you got here was, this is, this is high thoughts on edibles watching the universe, bro. <laughs> I, I realized, yo, if I ever get the opportunity to meet aliens or an alien, I'm going to have so many fucking questions, right? You don't want to get to that moment and freeze and forget all the questions you've ever wondered. Yeah. So I was like, why don't I think smarter and not harder? And I create a note on my phone called questions to ask an alien. So here are the questions I came up with last night at two in the morning when I was blasted on edibles. Um, questions to ask an alien. What are your thoughts on black holes? What is the purpose? Can they be used? What happens inside of the black hole? Can they be controlled with any technology? What are other civilizations in our own galaxy like? What about other galaxies? How big is the universe? Are we able to meet all the different civilizations in the universe and study them? Is there a governing civilization for space in the universe as a whole? Like, does someone police everything? Um, what about technology to visit other universes? Does that exist? Is there a God? What are your beliefs on God or religion? What is dark matter? Can you go back in time? Can you change the past? What is the oldest civilization in the universe that's still around or just the oldest period? Um, is the Big Bang real? And why does life exist? Does life in the universe have a purpose? And what is it? Big, deep questions for aliens, bro. I'm prepared. You'd have to communicate in mathematics. <laughs> or telepathically. <laughs> what if they just like telepathically yeah. lasered all the answers to all those questions in an instant into yeah. my head and my head just explodes? Yeah, that'd be... It'd be nutty. <laughs> It'd be I mean, like the scene from uh, Total Recall with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah. Where they were on Mars without their helmet on. Yeah. And yeah. their head just starts exploding. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, man. Like, with the aliens and stuff. Like, I feel like uh, go the deeper you go down the rabbit hole, the more you realize a lot of the religious texts, too. Yeah. They talk about angels and people coming down and, and seeing us and whatnot. And it just can all be explained with extraterrestrials. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it can all be explained with like some sort of influence. And maybe this is what I've been thinking about a lot. Maybe some of that stuff that seems a little sci-fi in religious texts, right. Are um, just g got lost in translation, right? Like the actual name for angel, it comes from Greek. I forget the Greek one. And it just means the messenger, you know, mm. and that, Angels with wings. I was listening to Gorgio Sucralos, right? The the yeah, I think that's how you uh, ancient name. aliens. Guy. Yeah, the meme guy. He was talking about it. That like the wings on aliens are our own depiction. Like that's pretty recent, 
in the grand mm. scheme of things. Like up until, I don't know, a thousand years ago or whatever, like that that whole fantasy with like a white beard, God watching yeah. over and like angels with wings and stuff, that wasn't how they actually depicted them. So if you take away the wings and they're just things that come and visit and they're messengers, it starts like at, all the pieces start clicking together a little more. And I'm not saying that's the answer, yeah. but it's much more believable. And you're like, oh, okay. Because like, remember when you were a kid, and did you ever play that game telephone in class? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And some for those of you who didn't have a childhood, it's mm-hmm. where like someone whispers something in your ear, like, bah, 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 and you're supposed to pass it around the whole class. And then by the time it gets to you and you say it at the end, if you're the last person, it's always a fart joke or something because yeah. you can change it. Can, can I, we talk about that game real quick? Yeah. Because every day of my life that I've ever thought about that game, even as a childhood, in my childhood when I would play it, I felt like... We could really keep the message the same if we wanted. The only reason it never stays the same is because one motherfucker yeah. intentionally changes it. Yeah, yeah. I was probably that kid. <laughs> <laughs> I was definitely that kid. Yeah, no. <laughs> like everyone watching was that kid. Yeah. But like, okay, so the message goes around and it gets fucked up by the end and it's not the actual message. I feel like that's what language does. That's what writing does. That's what time does, right? So we pass around these oral traditions and then we have writing. Okay, then it that's another person it's passing to, right? And then you have language that's getting translated from Greek or Aramaic or Ara- Aramaic. Ara- no, um, Aramaic. Aramaic? Aramaic, thank you. I can't pronounce that. And it gets translated along the way, and then by the time you get it in English, it's like maybe that's not the actual message of what they meant, and the wings on the angels are a perfect description. Yeah. You, you know, know what's crazy about... So I have a couple questions, but while while we're on that, because you're talking about it's literally like they, they added the wings to make sense of it, right? Yeah. What's funny is if you look back at all the ever pictures, whether it's a drawing or like someone's photograph of UFOs starting from the 1800s, right? Because back in the 1800s, people were seeing things flying in the sky before airplanes were a thing. And all the pictures that they drew of it, they look like big water ships in the sky with wings. Yeah, interesting. Right? But then you go to the 40s or 50s, now they're metallic. You go to even further, and now they're like these complex things. And it's almost like our interpretation of what we think we're seeing always lines up with whatever the technology seems to be around that time period. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. I I know it's, it's, um, the question is like, do we know about it and is it being covered up? That's the other right. camp, right? It's like, you keep talking about ancient civilization stuff. I could geek out all day on yeah. it, but we were just talking about that article that got passed around, right? Like apparently Tom DeLong's full blown into it and he, he's in the know or something. Yeah. He knows information that, that we don't. I don't, yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess how that came about. I don't know. This is a juicy topic. Um, but before we get into it, I'm curious, what was the first moment that like, was there a moment or a thing that you saw or heard where you're like, I got to look into this? Like, what was the starting point for you going down the rabbit hole? Uh, with aliens? Yeah. And ancient civilizations? Or UFOs in general? Uh, probably Graham Hancock and all okay. that. I was raised really religious. We'd have to go to Sunday yeah. school every time, and I, I just hated it, right? Would you consider yourself religious today? No. No. It's interesting. Spiritual, not religious. Because <laughs> right? I was the same way. I was raised religious, and it was shoved down my throat, yeah. along with all my friends. And I feel like I don't, like the people, me and my friends, my girlfriend, none of us, are really that religious today. And I think it's because it was shoved down our throats as kids. Yeah. It's kind of like if you make your kid play piano and go to lessons with some lady in her basement <laughs> and like that you have me. to practice for 20 minutes, you end up hating music. Yeah. That was me too. And like when I found drums on my own, fell in love with it, played eight hours a day and my hands blistered. Cause it was so fun, you know? So yeah. it's like, 
you kind of have to come to this stuff on your own. And maybe that's what people say with religion too. I think they do, but uh, no short answer today. No, but went to a Christian private school. Um, when I was in college, a Christian private call, I was always public school till then, but the university, my dad worked at, so I got a good discount and whatnot. Um, Anyway, talking about the first experience to it, I remember just being in my dorm room so bored of like learning how to like the minors and theology and all this stuff. And I'm just like, oh, I don't want to study this. And I would always gravitate towards like Egypt and like ancient Egypt stuff. So I would YouTube it. And then I found this channel who made these animated videos and they were explaining the whole civilization stuff. And I remember like seeing one of those videos on YouTube. It's like a one hour thing. I don't know if I'm easy to convince or what, but it was presented in such a way where I'm like, this makes way more sense than all this other stuff. I've been kind of shoved down the throat. And, uh, that was kind of the first dip into the rabbit hole. How long ago was that? That was probably six or seven years ago. Okay. Yeah. So not, so that's when you started going all in studying this kind of stuff. uh, Yeah. I wouldn't say I'm like all, all in, like, I don't just do it every day, all day, but I love the conversation around like, what if, Mm. you know, that's the main thing. And I think that's cool to like have a lighthearted approach with it and not have such a serious, like government cover up. Everything's evil. Everything's out to get us. Cause even if like, you know, this is off topic, but like conspiracies, I see people going down that, like my grandma or whatever. And she watches, you know, Infowars all day, every day. Right. And it's like, by the end of it, you're convinced of 50 different things and it's like, okay, what's the solution to that? Just live in fear, buy storable foods, eat those all day. Like everything's poisonous. So like you got to live, you got to keep your head on straight. So I think having a lighthearted, what if kind of curiosity approach, mm. that's just my approach to the whole alien yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. What about you? <clears throat> For me, it was definitely when Jill Rogan interviewed Bob Lazar. Cause I had seen the Bob Lazar documentaries like as a kid, but in my head it was, I don't know. I might as well have been talking about the boogeyman. You know, it was just like a fun thing to watch when I was a kid. And I never really believed it. And I always truly believed if aliens were real, the the spaceships would definitely be more reminiscent of like Independence Day spaceships, not flying saucers. I thought flying saucers was like out of the Jetsons. Yeah. 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 And so when when I kind of rewatched Bob Lazar's story now as a late 20s, about to go on 30 guy, I, uh, I kind of, it inspired me to look deeper into it. So I, after a couple quick Google searches into it, um, area 51, you know, all that kind of stuff. Ironically, area 51 was the first thing I looked up on Google earth when Google earth first came out in like the (laughs) early two thousands, I was like, what should I look at area 51? Yeah. (laughs) Um, but anyways, yeah, it was always kind of like a, I thought it was like a myth, like Bigfoot, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and then when I looked into it and I saw actual pictures in documents, official government documents on cia.gov and when i send the link to my mom the cia.gov uh the link where they show this document that's just released through the freedom of information act on their website and it has all the pictures that are of like ufos flying saucers just hovering there yeah and and i'm like if this wasn't real why is it an official cia government documents and then i started reading books called like above top secret um and then i started watching every documentary i could find and that's how i kind of went deep down the rabbit hole more because like it starts with me wanting to know like the answer to like okay where did they come from yeah. right but then i'm i'm trying to look for that answer and i'm hearing all this other shit and now i'm just like i want to know the full story now you know and so dude why don't we just kind of start at where the story begins, it where where like Roswell kind of, kind of stuff, and then 
kind of take it from there on like what your theories that you've heard about and kind of what you think the story of the timeline up till now happened. Because it's a really crazy story, but I feel like what's crazier is that all these independently do made documentaries and videos are pointing to the same conclusions about same moments in time. And obviously they differ in some points, but what fascinates me is the similarities that they do have. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I wish we had computers to pull it up and stuff because there's like good evidence and whatnot. Yeah. You know, it's just it's hard to talk about things without the dates in front of you without sounding like some hippie smoking crack yeah. and like aliens. You know, all I'm What's saying is if, if if you doubt the dates or if we forget a date, literally just go and look into this shit yeah. and you'll you'll see what we're talking about. Yeah, Bob Lazar was interesting. His his stuff was presented in a really uh, a way that was like, well, there I could. I don't know. I, I'd probably go 80, 20 on it. Like 80%. I believe him 20%. I'm like, mm, I don't know. Mm. Um, cause like he doesn't really have a motivation to lie. Yeah. That's to me, that's the most convincing thing. Right. Is like, why would you lie about any of that? Yeah. You know, when I saw that docu or that, that, um, interview, I always, I pride myself on being good at reading people. You know, I've always, I played poker from like middle school all the way through high school and yeah. even into college a little bit. It was a big fad back then. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where I started learning how to read people. But also, like, I'm a dating coach. And just me approaching a lot of women, you just get good at reading people yeah. and how they're feeling in the moment. And I could not see a single sense of him lying, which tells me one thing. He's at least convinced of the things that he's saying. Yeah. Or he's a psychopath. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> psychopath. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I think, like, the, uh, the articles that, like, Tom has been bringing up and stuff – Right, that like you sent me. Yeah, was that in his book? So Tom DeLong, the lead singer guitarist, started Blink One Eighty Two. They stopped, and then they started Angels and Airwaves, which is like the spinoff of Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah, same people, and I don't even think they're touring anymore or making music anymore. But he stopped to start a company called To the Stars Academy, and at To the Stars Academy, it started with him, um, kind of getting on the inside track with some high level government officials. And this is actually how the, the videos from the Navy got released was through to the stars Academy and the people he's working with. Um, and so I'm talking about like the gimbal video and like the video with Dr. Or Commander David Fravor, the guy who was flying the ship and he saw the white Tic Tac, the Tic Tac oh, yeah, video, yeah. right? So those videos were released through the To The Stars Academy, which is Tom DeLonge's company. And, and he started that and got in with these people because he wrote a book called Secret Machines, which is a fiction book. Um, and it's a series of books now. It's a story, but it's him using story and fiction to tell the real facts about what's really happening in the government. And he came to these conclusions through lots of interviews, lots of personal research, the way you and I are kind of just enthusiasts of it. Yeah. And then he kind of just, the way he describes it is he, he kind of eventually realized through looking into it so much, what was really going on. And so just hearing a little bit of what he's talked about on interviews and watching those and then reading, uh, I've read part of secret machines, which is a really good book. You should actually read it. It's like great storytelling. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Our friend, mutual friend, J max, he said he read it a long time ago or at least an expert excerpt and it was bad. So I think I must've gotten the version that he eventually hired an editor to edit it. Cause Got it's it. great storytelling. Yeah. The way he writes it and but the way why, he keeps you going. Why like Tom DeLong though? That's the thing. Like anytime someone goes public and they're like, Oh, I have all this info yeah. that no one else has. And it's from secret sources. Yeah. I always like, it sounds fishy. 
You know, yeah. it's like they trusted me, but I'm like, what, why, why would they trust you? You know, like, right. I know you have this Academy. That's the only thing it's like, well, he only started that after he got in with these guys. I like think, how, like what's like you knock on their door and say, so, Hey, tell me your secrets. Like, no, they're uh, classified. I don't consider myself a huge enthusiast on Tom DeLonge, but this is just me telling you what he was saying on Joe Rogan's podcast. Cause yeah. Joe, I think doesn't like Tom DeLonge in the sense that he doesn't believe half the shit he's saying, but also that I, just I'm tells me that camp too. Really? Yeah. It just tells me, I, I don't know. I feel like you got to be open to all of it, right? If you accept one thing that this guy's saying about Roswell to be true, then you kind of got to accept a lot of the other stuff he's saying too. You got to be open to it. And here's the thing. There's, there's, there's circumstantial evidence, but there's not hard evidence. Yeah. But, if you're, if you listen to one person and you're open to his take on this, remember it's just his take on circumstantial evidence. So in my opinion, at least me, I'm trying to be open to what everybody's saying so I can form my own opinion. Um, and so with Tom DeLong specifically, I think he wrote this book and he was going on a little kind of radio tour to to launch the book. And what happened was, and this is again the story that he told on Joe's podcast. What happened was he was saying some stuff about the the government's um, involvement in the UFO conspiracy, why they covered it up and why it's actually a noble thing that they're covering it up. Um, and some of his conclusions he's drawn and apparently government officials heard about this were like, how the fuck does he know this stuff? Cause that's not out there. Right. And then they started inviting him to talk to them and he kind of just slowly worked his way in to inner circles, got introduced to this person and then to this person. And then pretty soon he's got Louis Elizondo, who's one of the top people. He's the guy who was on CNN talking about the, the TikTok video being the guy who's the head of that department in the Pentagon. Right? Yeah. He's part of two to the stars Academy. So we know he's in with some high level government people right now. Here's the thing where, where I'm, kind of getting fishy. If the government is really trying to cover this up, which we now know in 2020 that they are because they officially came out with the Tic Tac video and the gimbal video, which are military videos taken on military craft in the Pentagon, they've released them, they've declassified them, and they've also outright said via Luis Elizondo and To The Stars Academy, hey, these are official Pentagon videos from the Navy, they exist, we don't know what they are, making them by nature unidentified aerial phenomenon they now call it uap um instead of ufo all right so now the they've admitted these are these are unidentified we don't know what they are we don't have access to this technology we don't know of anybody on earth who has this kind of technology and they defy the laws of physics as we know them and we presume if we had to guess they could be otherworldly but they leave it open-ended like that so this is a thing that's actually happened in 2020 so let's all admit that there's something in the skies right now we now, so, and let's also admit that they are covering up something. Here's where I'm kind of fishy. What is true that they're saying? What is disinformation? What is really going on here? And who actually knows the truth? Because all the stuff that Tom DeLong is being fed could be bold-faced lies by the people in the government. You don't know. All the, the, the reports that Bob Lazar is quoting that he read while he's working on this technology could be bold-faced lies. And in my opinion, the stuff that I've looked into, I... I don't know why, but I've kind of turned a blind eye towards any of the abduction stories because, in my opinion, when someone claims they were abducted by aliens, what makes that person any less crazy than the person who's, you know, high as shit saying he got abducted by aliens? Well, that's the problem. That's that's nailing on the head, too, that issue with abductions because there are so many accounts of, like, 
crazy people claiming yeah. they got abducted, right? Mm. And so that's kind of like anyone can claim it because there's no proof. It's like, well, you just right. got to believe me. And it's like, even if there's like a hundred people that are totally legit and it happened to, right. if people see that's a good way to get attention and featured and stuff and build a personal brand from yeah. being the abducted one, like naturally people would jump on that and be like, me too, me too. And so I don't know, man, but the abduction stuff, I was watching some uh, documentaries on it and whatnot. Like, there's the theory that they're abducting us to manipulate our DNA, DNA yeah. right? And that there's a lot of DNA that they don't even know why it's there. And so maybe it's a benevolent thing, not a malevolent thing that they're doing to yeah. manipulate our DNA to diversify us mm. more so than we could. Because I was, I was uh, listening to a guy in a podcast talking about it. And apparently, like, when a species gets too close to being inbred, right, like, they can't exist. It's a bottleneck. So you hit it, like, if, if your dog Tucker, you know, was just banging all his sisters and whatever, like, they would eventually die out because there's not enough genetic diversity. Yeah. And yeah. so we've reached that multiple times throughout a whole society. Oh, and wow. so that's one of the theories of why they would abduct people and manipulate the DNA Dang. as a benevolent way to keep us going, to keep us be like, hey, yeah. It needs to be diversified. And I think that is the conclusion that people who are big on the alien conspiracy can connect it to Gobekli Tepe. And what's the other right. one that's in on Mount Titicaca in South America? Um, I only remember it because Mount Titicaca, like, could you come up with a better name? <laughs> like, Pretty good name. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, um, when you look into that stuff, you got to wonder, because here's the thing behind Graham, Graham Hancock's arguments. His only argument from his conclusions in his books and interviews is I'm just saying that I believe we had advanced human civilizations yeah. around a lot sooner than we believed. And it also kind of changes our view of history because it shortens the gap between hunter gatherer and advanced. And so if that is true, or it was gotta, a reset, that's the big, or it was thing. a reset. That's yeah. the biggest thing I subscribe to out of researching it all. And like going down the rabbit hole and reading his books is that there was a reset. We don't know when. When you say reset, you mean what? Let's just say today an asteroid hit us or we got an ice age and it wiped us out or we blew it. blew it up. Like what would be left of us? All our data is in the cloud. Like this podcast in the cloud going on Wi-Fi that people are streaming it yeah. on. It's not like physically it exists somewhere. You're going to love this. I made this note for the podcast today and it's exactly that. Last night when I was blasted on edibles, all right, um, on, in addition to the questions to ask aliens. So- I thought about this through math, ancient civilizations. I was thinking specifically about Gobekli Tepe and Graham Hancock. And I had the realization while watching the universe on Netflix and they're talking about galaxies. I was like, yo, we send satellites into orbit and we're at the point where we have so much space junk that you'll, it's like, you almost wonder, is it even safe to go into orbit? Because you might get hit by some of the space junk we've thrown up there. But think about this. If there were civilizations 10,000 years ago, 20,000 years ago, who were advanced enough to etch into big monolith stones, bury all this shit to hide it up in Mount or Gobekli Tepe, they think it was the whole structure was intentionally buried in that hill, which what you can see, which is mind blowing, they think it's about 30 times bigger underground and was intentionally buried, right? If they had that type of technology, you would think to get there, they would have to go through a similar technological progression as us to where even to learn about space and physics, we have to send satellites into orbit to even see some of the shit and draw conclusions from it. So where are the ancient satellites in orbit? That's the question. Or 
ancient civilizations could have come down and given them information. Like you see the Dogons or um, I, I believe that's who drew it on the caves. Right. And yeah. they're like, how'd you get this information? Like you, the procession of the equinox, for instance, right. you would have had to study astrology for thousands or hundreds of years or whatever it is. Right. Or like advanced calendars or all that stuff. Yeah. And they always say like, Oh, the sky people gave it to us. Yeah. Right. And like they, they just point there. It's like out there, they gave it to us. So it's like, so maybe the the lack of ancient satellites in orbit from humans is proof that maybe aliens did come down. Maybe. I don't know. And then it's like, you know, maybe Earth's not the only planet that had life on it. You know, maybe it was Mars. Maybe it should yeah. be floating around there, but it got lost out and, you know, went into outer space, deep space or whatever. You ever heard the theory that satellite or uh, Saturn is a satellite? Oh. Or the moon is a satellite. I've heard the moon one. The moon one was interesting. I watched another show on it where um, educate us. Well, if you, I'm not a moon landing fake guy by any yeah. means. I think we've actually been there. I think we planted the flag. I right. think we were in space. I think all that. I think the Earth is round <laughs> to catch yeah. people up, right? But one thing they said, and I don't know if this is true, but they said when they uh, landed on the moon, right? And you drop it. You can measure yeah. the vibration of, of, okay, the seismic vibration or whatever you call it, of the moon. And if it was actually uh, all the way through, if it had a core and it was like not hollow, it would have a much less vibration. But kind of like, you know, if I take this and drop it on an aluminum can, it would vibrate like, boom, because yeah. it's hollow and it's metallic and whatever. Well, it vibrated like that. It was weird. Yeah. So it didn't have a normal vibration and people could be like, oh, well, and it vibrated for hours from, from, yeah, remember, yeah, it right? was big. They just kind of slammed the little lunar it lander onto it. Yeah. And it just rang like a bell for hours. Yeah. It was very significant. And so that's, that's one of the theories where I was like, oh man, that's crazy. Again. And being, here's where that actually comes into, that has to be real because do you remember in the nineties, it was a really big thing where we would all talk about the moon was made out of cheese. Yeah. It was because it was like Swiss cheese. We thought there right. were holes in the moon. Right. We thought it was hollow. Yeah. Why do we think it's hollow? Because of that. And there's a dark side of the moon that yeah. you can't see. So who knows what's going on over there? That's crazy about the moon. Like you know? they say our moon is very unique in the sense that a couple of things. It's in the perfect orbit around Earth to where if it didn't, if the Earth didn't have the moon there in that exact spot, then uh, Earth would actually... Um, lose its orbit around the sun over time and yeah. we would get flung into space, right? So the moon actually stabilizes Earth in orbit around the sun. So that's crazy. Second, it's placed in the exact position, distance from the Earth, um, using our gravitational ca calculations to where when the Earth, moon, and sun is aligned, it completely blocks out the sun. That would only happen in that perfectness if it was in that exact spot in orbit. Right. And, and theoretically it could have been anywhere in orbit. Right. Yeah. So it just happened to be there. And then the third thing is it's also unique because no matter where you are on earth, we all see the same face of the moon. The moon always rotates perfectly around the earth to where it never shows us the opposite side of the moon. Like you said, the dark side yeah, of the moon. It's crazy. That's nuts. Yeah. I mean, that is a theory that it could be a satellite yeah. and it sounds crazy when you hear it for the first time and without being presented a list of facts and all this stuff. But if people like do their own research and dive into it, you start realizing like a lot of these crazy theories, they don't actually they, like, there's actually some subs substance yeah. to it. There's ancient Indian civilizations that are still around, um, that even in air, they're in Arizona, bro. Huh. Um, these into the oh, Indian, native American. Native, yes. na yeah. yeah. We're talking about ancient. I'm just throwing out words, but that's what I meant. Native Americans. Um, they, there's a Arizonan 
Indians yeah. that their whole history and religion, they talk about star people coming down and giving them technology. They also talk about the day that the moon appeared in the sky. Wow. So there was a, oh, there's crazy. stories from before the moon was there. So if we're, if you're talking about the theory that the moon's a satellite. Yeah. I saw this one article video where it had this, you might know the name of it. This like black satellite looking thing that's rotating in our orbit mm. and it gets convoluted with all the space junk out there and stuff. You can't really tell what it is. You're talking about the Black Knight satellite? I think so. Okay. Yeah. And it's it's like a dead rogue satellite and it just floats around there. I think Ancient it's in like satellites, Antarctica. Bro. Yeah, exactly. Like that's that's what I was saying. Bring it up because you did. And it's just there. And there you can get little glimpses of it, but it moves really fast. Right. So it's hard to really lock on and stuff. Yeah. But there's pictures of it. I can't. I don't know if it's bullshit or not. Yeah, but that's another thing where I'm like, oh, it's. I more. think a few of those pictures, because uh, the first time I saw someone talk about it was on a documentary on Amazon Prime, I think. Yeah, yeah. They and have they all were, the rogue stuff. Yeah, them and they Gaia. Have the good stuff. Bro. They have. They have no filters. <laughs> yeah, you can post anything on there. Exactly. Yeah. Dude. Um, and this this one was specifically showing like NASA footage, so public NASA footage. Yeah. And this, this and one of those showed the Black Knight satellite. That's crazy. See, this is the thing with NASA right there is like, okay, you know, we went to the moon in the late sixties. It's been 60 years since then. What have we yeah. been doing? Like we literally, it took us like since the space race happened, right? Cause we saw, yeah. found the Nazi technology and they were working on all this crazy stuff. And then we got into it with the Russians and we had this yeah. big dick measuring contest of who could go there. Well, faster, let's go right? there. Cause the people listening like, don't even know about the Nazis involvement in this. <laughs> yeah. Well then, yeah, they were working on some advanced stuff. So world war two. Yeah. And so do you, do you kind of know this story? A little bit. As they say it? I mean, loosely. You know, I know all this stuff loosely. Okay. Not not an expert by any stretch of the imagination, but the 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 Operation Paperclip, if that's yeah. what you're referring to, where basically the war ends, right? Yeah. We're fighting everyone. Okay, Germans lose. And then they have all these scientists who were some of the best scientists we've ever seen, like knew way more than we did. Yeah. And so then we got in this big pissing contest with Russia of like, well, you're going to the moon. And the theory was that we wanted to weaponize it, right? Or we wanted to launch uh, nukes from space and have much more accurate stuff. Because if you launch them from the earth, well, you can just knock them out and you have all these defense mm. stuff. But if you launch it straight down and no one owns space, right, then it's much more effective and deadly. And so that's the real reason a lot of people say we wanted to go up there is military. Right. And so we got in this big match. We heard about all this stuff. So instead of having all these Nazi scientists be like, all right, you guys are all dead. Yeah. We actually covered it up by importing them under the Operation Paperclip. And Warren von Braun, he's like a legit Nazi, yeah. ended up really high up. I don't know if he was running NASA but he was the guy who was, he was leading, the face. He of was NASA. leading the space race. He designed the rocket that got us to the moon. Bro. Right, the legit Nazi. Yeah, and so we imported them, and the Russians got some we too. We painted them in, in mainstream culture the same yeah. way we paint Walt Disney. Yeah, like yeah. And this guy was, he was hanging too, Jews outside yeah. of his office in in Germany. It's pretty nuts, man. The history is kind of dark with that. It's yeah. really dark. It's <laughs> as dark as you get. But we used them. We're like, all right, instead of being in jail, why don't you come work for us? And they did. And then that's the reason we were able yeah. to go to the moon with that technology that we basically stole from the Nazis. And the theory is that when you start looking at the third Reich and all that stuff is like, okay, how the hell did you guys get this advanced technology? Like how, how and they were you... fresh off of a world war one loss, right? Like why, why are you doing all this? Why do you yeah. have all these different sauce? Why do you have all this stuff? Yeah. 
They and, they even had flying saucers that they were testing. Yeah, right? it was just leaps and bounds ahead of where everyone else was yeah. at. And you'd think we'd all kind of advanced at a similar level, but it's like one dude was juicing and had a head start of one lap on a four hundred mile relays, yeah. and it's like, dude, how are you on lap three? We just hit the the gun just yeah. went off. Like what? And so that's really what we were starting to learn out. So then tie this all back. So we did that with the help of the Nazis. We went to the moon. So what talk about we, timeline. Operation Paperclip is like 60s, 70s, I be, right? Yeah, yeah. Like right I, after I think World it's, War II. Yeah, the, the 40s to the 60s or 40s yeah. to 70s, right? Uh, you could loosely ballpark it there. So again, then I don't before know the dates. that, like World War II is where you're at now. Like before that, yeah. the Third Reich and stuff. Well, I, I mean, I was just talking like a big point that I've been thinking of recently is, okay, secret space programs. We know that there probably has to be something going on because the point I was making is like, we went to the moon in the late 60s. 69. It's been, yeah, 69. <laughs> Thank you. I know 68 or 69. I have that Even Steven song in yeah. my head when went it plays. Went to the, the moon, moon yeah, in 1969. Yeah. yeah, not 1968, but a day later. Yeah, yeah that one. <laughs> I know. So funny. Me and you had the same childhood, I swear. Yeah, it's great. That's why we're so similar today. Disney originals, man. Yeah. Yeah, so like, but 60 years has passed. If we can go to the moon in like sub 10 years from the time we want to do it and get in a flex match with Russia, what could we do with 60? I mean, look at this iPhone, dude. This is a this is a supercomputer in our hands. And like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, right? It didn't even exist. It, or the iPhone 1 could hold 100 songs. And in 20 years, we do that. So like, what the hell with all that money, NASA, like have we been doing for 60 years. And so that's why I don't believe the whole narrative that like, oh, NASA's going, we're in space, we're doing this stuff. I think that's a PR front. Yeah. We have like a black ops so secret space you think we've space been in space program. for a while. Absolutely. Absolutely, dude. Yeah. I, I don't see another answer. What we just pull the plug? No, the funding's still going there. You so what are you crazy? guys doing? Just buy new office chairs? Like, yeah, we definitely have. It's like billions, and I think it's even trillions, trillions of dollars. It's like Twenty-two trillion dollars of un yeah. untracked money. And here's what's crazy. I think it was Bernie Sanders potentially one of the pop Bernie Sanders. Yeah, one of these guys who's a uh, relevant politician today. I think it was the day before 9-11. He's presenting to Congress. Talking about how, um, yeah, we went over budget by $22 trillion, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how do you fucking go over budget by $22 trillion? Yeah. Is there even that much money in yeah. circulation? You drill holes in mountains and run your stuff I believe it was a secret space force. Yeah. Next day, September 11th happens. Yeah, so everyone forgot about it. World Trade Center 7 yeah. gets knocked down. Anything that would have been able to track where that shit was. Yeah destroyed uh, and here's what's crazy about the ufo conspiracy is it's the one well, conspiracy that can take claim over every significant event jfk world war ii uh yeah. the 9-11 ufo people want to own all of it but like i said it's just like well that's a crazy connection and that's how it happens yeah yeah that's nuts this is why i'm so excited about elon musk and spacex i want to know what elon musk knows about the, this whole thing. i don't know if he knows I, I honestly think he's just an entrepreneur who's like, space is badass. Why haven't you guys done anything in 60 years or whatever? And NASA's probably just laughing behind him because he's spending right. how many billions of dollars to send this rocket into space with fossil fuels when they probably already have shit that can just zip Yeah, to but space. they partner with him on it to look like they're helping as a PR front, right? Yeah. And that's why they're co-doing it. But once we get to Mars, we're going to learn so much shit about this, dude, because there's all those photos, yeah. like the pyramids on Mars. Um, the artifacts on Mars yeah. that they're finding in those satellites, but they're really blurry, so you can't tell if it is or not. You know, the isn't. Russians tried to put a, a rover on Mars twice. Both times, it was all systems ago, and then they see this white cigar-shaped thing fly across. 
shoots their fucking thing out of the sky. They've not been able wow. to land a rover on Mars because whatever something there shoots it out of the sky right when it gets close to Mars. But we have we have rover, rovers on Mars now though. Like yeah, curiosity. Humans uh, the US does. Oh, but the Russians can't. The Russians can't do it. So what? The the alien races, they're racist. They're like, "Hey, US, you're good. Yeah. Russians, we so don't, we don't I, like you guys." I, I like to even address that. I feel like I got to give context. So like for me, the easiest way to do it is because you're kind of like the way you and I are jumping through the timeline. Yeah. And I'm thinking to someone who has no idea what we're talking about, we got to start through the timeline so they kind of see how this plays out. So I don't know. Can I, I want to just tell the story of like how I understand it. Right. Yeah, go for it. So from what I understand and kind of just piggybacking off what you said, the Nazis in the World War II, they were doing remote viewing and like fucking channeling things with these weird psychic people who were there, right, in, in German, Germany. They were Germans. I forget their name, but you can look it up. And they, through like the, you know, how psychics like write stuff, wrote down schematics just like remotely with their eyes closed that was actually intelligible for like, um, building an anti-gravity machine. All right. And so now the government gets involved, the Nazis, they start looking into this, start working with it. And they're start working on flying saucers of their own. They start working on the Glock, the bell or whatever. Oh yeah. And, um, and so the whole time throughout world war two, Adolf Hitler and all of his shit. And you can watch this in any world war two documentary is saying we have secret weapons. We're just wait. We're on the forefront right now. They're not going to be able to hold us back when we, when they see what we have. Right. It's going crazy. So moral of the story is I think what, and this is around the time where the U S and, and people on the ally side start seeing UFOs and documenting it for the first time in modern history. What they call them is foo fighters. Back in the day, we're flying the planes in, in world war two, trying to fight the Nazis. And we see these balls of light flying next to these planes that can zip and do maneuvers that are just not possible. And so look up foo fighters. There's even pictures of foo fighters and there's even a band named after them. Okay. So, and the only reason I looked into the Foo Fighters and connected this dot is because um, going back to um, what's his face, Blink One Eighty Two, Tom DeLonge. Tom DeLonge, yeah. He says he thinks that the Nazis were the ones who it was their flying saucer that went down in Roswell. And I was like, wait, that's different than anything I've ever heard. So let me look into this. And this is where I started looking into Nazis. And this is actually ironically when I found out that you were into it because you were talking about the same Nazi thing, um, Nazis. So apparently, from what I understand, is the Nazis tried to put machine guns on this anti-gravity machine that doesn't operate on the same laws of physics, basically, right? And so these machine guns that shoot projectiles that move faster than the light of the, the speed of light, they're just getting blown to bits, right? These guns are not working because they're on flying saucers that are inhuman. Yeah, like right? uh, Austin Powers, sharks with laser beams. Yeah, yeah, so it's kind of like that. And so that's why they were able to get these Foo Fighters, theoretically, that could fly and do these things, but they couldn't weaponize them. They couldn't figure out how to do it. So eventually, they lose, they have to surrender World War II. And here's the theory, and this is also like independent non-UFO research. They think Hitler escaped to Argentina. Yeah, and there's the, a huge German community down there. Exactly, yeah. and you're like, where the fuck it's like these mini Germany come from? down there, yeah. And so... Here's kind of where German, I found all have the same culture. Like, yeah, damn. Like even, even Nazi paraphernalia and stuff down there. It's, really? It's pretty common. Yeah. Damn. It's nuts. So apparently they go, the, then they go make their way to 
Antarctica. Um, Antarctica. Yeah, that that's crazy. And that's what the current theory is: is that the the Nazis escaped to Antarctica with the flying saucer technology, and yeah. a lot of the you can see it going in and out of like the ice things. If you go on there. Google Earth, there's yeah. a big gaping hole in oh, the middle that of hole one. Yeah, that's nuts, and you can't fly over it. There was a pilot who did. And then he immediately got swarmed as soon as he landed by government officials. Really? Yeah, like instantly. And uh, they were like, you can't do that. What'd you see? All this stuff. And he just started getting interrogated and whatnot. But I've, I've seen that hole that you're talking about. I know exactly the thing. I forget what it's called. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's, it's nuts. And the, the theory is that they have the bases. They all escaped to Argentina yeah. and Antarctica. And they were doing the research down there and all that stuff. Yeah. So then come... Here's the other one that you were talking about. You were t- telling me about this a few weeks ago. Um, so Roswell happens 1947, two years after the end of World War II. Most people think, oh, it's a flying saucer. gets covered up by the government. Weather Next balloon. day, they're like, it's a weather balloon. Yeah. When in reality, the actual wreckage, and this is, uh, I don't know, I, I feel like this is actual documented. The actual wreckage was actually flown via two airplanes to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, and they flew it in two airplanes just in case one of them crashed because they didn't want to lose the technology. Yeah. All right, so they get there at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base where they think it is today. But anyways, Tom DeLong says he thinks it was Nazi, right? So then I'm thinking back to the fucking Antarctica uh, yeah. theory of what how World War II really ended. And then what's the, the operation where we actually sent people down there and they got attacked by something? Oh, yeah. And they had that big war and there were U-boats yeah. there and all that stuff. What was stuff. the name of that I operation? forget that name. Got it. Yeah. It's like Moonshine or something. Yeah. Operation Moonshine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they, so apparently they go down there. They're fully militarized, but then they get hit with, a, with resistance by an enemy that they can't. Do, and they're, they're so vague on what they say publicly or whatever was made public. Yeah. And they come back defeated with a lot of casualties and whatnot. So if you think, oh, Nazis are really down there, and maybe they've probably figured out how to militarize these these advanced ships, yeah, right? And then here's where shit kind of gets off the wall, because then you go on to Gaia, and they're talking <laughs> all these people who are just making <laughs> See, shit that, up. Yeah, dude, making shit up, yeah. killing the rep of any credible person who's but seen But they were talking shit. about the secret Space Force a year before Donald Trump comes out with the actual Space Force. Yeah, Gaia, to me, like, I subscribed for yearly because I thought I was going to use it all the time. But, and I even bought their stock and didn't do anything, so I sold it. Yeah. But, um, dude, there was a documentary on there where I was watching this guy who had, like, these two little hoop earrings, and he was, like, this really skinny, like, 100-pound guy just for some visual stuff. And he was saying, he was claiming that he for 20 years of his life was abducted and virtually uh, shuttled to Mars every day to fight a war against three other alien races. And I'm just sitting there like, I don't believe like you, if you went to a shooting range, you could not shoot a gun. So like, how am I supposed to believe that you're in a top secret government military thing? Like it just doesn't add up. It's, it was the biggest lie I've ever heard. My girlfriend walked in, I was watching it. She's like, well, this guy's full of shit. Like, yeah. This is the craziest. What are you watching? Yeah. I'm like, no, I swear. I swear. I'm like, I don't, I don't believe it. But Gaia like it's out there. For Gaia, sure. Yeah. Anyway, well, like that discredits all the real stuff yeah. that like Roswell and all these other th- theories that at least have some backbone to them. Uh. Yeah. It's just funny. Yeah. Um, well, uh, so where, where are you? You're, you're at the Antarctica. So Tom DeLong, get, here's, yeah. here's where his theory kind of gets. I'll, I'll kind of go through Tom DeLong's theory. And then uh, Mike Shower, who's going to be on the podcast next week. Oh, yeah. He's into it. He's deep. He's deep, bro. He's deep. He, and he's deeper 
yeah. then he leads on. Oh yeah. Same with you. I feel oh, like, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And, um, so he told me, cause I was telling, I sent him the Tom DeLong thing. So I'll talk about what Tom DeLong says happens and cause he's working with government and then I'll, I'll kind of say what, what he's saying. Um, but Basically, Tom DeLonge is on the front that UFOs are bad and they're they're hostile against us and these aliens, right? And so what they think happened, um, or what he thinks happened, is like when we created the nuclear bomb, that's when flying saucers started appearing. And it's because nuclear bombs, by nature, happen on the quantum level. You, you yeah. send two... Splitting, molecules splitting together it, yeah. and you split them you use the energy and that's all the energy right mm-hmm. and so that's yeah exactly that's what happens and so this was affecting things on a quantum level which you know if you know anything about quantum physics you take a light particle here yeah. and you take its twin and move it across the universe yeah they both move they both do the same thing at the same they mirror moment. each other mirror each other they right? don't even know how it works that's the crazy part right so this is a real thing that's been proven by science can actually happen, a phenomenon on the quantum level, right? And everything's energy at the subatomic particle, zero, 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 zero to the nth degree, right? 0.1% matter or something. It's mostly energy. What's crazy is in physics class in college, we had one worksheet we had to do as an assignment was to calculate the frequency of a car or this plant because we all have frequency and the way you can actually measure it is only when we pass through a slit. And so you think about yeah. the slit experiment and you shine a laser beam through a slit and it breaks off into other yeah. separate laser yeah, it goes beams. Two, two doors. Yeah. Yeah. The double slit test, the double slit test. Yeah. Right. And so using that kind of like line of thinking and learning about frequency, when, when I walk through a doorway, I'm technically passing through a slit and you can measure my frequency at that moment in time. And so when you think about it, studying organic chemistry, I have a biology degree. Yeah. You go down, like you said, to the subatomic level, past the, the atom, past the electron. What is it? You got quarks and like neutrinos and things that are blinking in and out of existence, yeah. right? And it's just energy, yep. which is crazy, like you said. Yep. And consciousness is the only thing that separates us from the plant because this has it too. You know, like this has subatomic particles at the at the very quantum level. Mm. It's the same thing. It's like 99.9999999 to the nth degree, keep going, percent empty space, right? And yeah. it's energy. And same with us, all our cells right there. Yeah. And the cells make up your organs, which make up your body, which make up your, you know, all these different yeah. systems working together. So I think the only thing that separates us from that is consciousness, which is a whole other <laughs> hour and a half. Yeah. You know, that we don't have time to get into, but well, we'll get into it. Cause that's part of his fucking story. Uh, um, well, well on this fucking energy thing, um, uh, I heard, do you know who Lawrence Krauss is? He's like a physicist. No, he's like, he'll be on like any of these like universe documentaries, but not like the alien stuff. Uh, but I was listening I to an interview it. of his and he's, he, he studies this stuff. He's an actual scientist. Right. And he was talking about the Higgs boson particle. Have you ever heard of that? No. So the large Hadron collider, mm-hmm. Um, in Sweden, right? That's what they were looking for. Yeah. Yeah. They were looking for the Higgs boson particle, which happens when you smash these things and all these subatomic particles pop out. Right. Uh So they actually found it. And the Higgs boson particle is basically proof of the Higgs boson field, which helps like really unify a lot of our theories of science and physics. And the Higgs boson field is actually in existence at all times. And it's actually what allows physical things to take physical form and the way he described it and i'm not him by any means so i'm just basically trying to parrot what i believe he said from memory right so he said the way the higgs boson part field works is like all of the particles we're just made of dust right and all that stuff and he says what what gives us shape this thing can be a plant is that when that comes into interaction 
with the boson field, it kind of just slows it down. Whereas like without the Higgs boson field, it'd just be like, we're just be floating in molasses. Oh, uh, so that's what kind of glues it together. Yeah. Yeah. It gives it some form. Cause yeah, that's, that's one thing you can struggle with when you hear that. Like what? Everything is energy. That's just some sweaty dude in Whole Foods. Like yeah. peace, man, everything's energy. You know, like, like there's actually science behind it at the quantum level. Right. But what actually glues the energy together if everything is just dissolving in empty right. space. So going back to consciousness, how that relates to- Wait, wait, wait so sorry. Yeah. I, w- I want you to finish yeah. the point about the nuclear UFO stuff because yeah. you, you showed me that article and it said something like they were monitoring our nuclear plants, which they do. Yeah. There's more UFO sightings by them. And then our nuclear weapons because something's changing or it's mirroring in yeah. space and time that, that uh, freaking nuclear stuff is the only thing that can interfere yeah. with, with their- technology so a lot of the government whistleblowers who have come out of the woodworks in recent years pushing for disclosure which has kind of led to them releasing videos and stuff um they're people who worked on these nuclear test sites as officers as physicists whatever it is and around when nukes were being stored 50s 60s 70s for the last that whole time period right these nuclear bombs during the cold war would theoretically just like there would be a UFO. People would be like, yo, what's this thing floating above? And then 10 nukes would get disactivated all at once, or it would just, they completely lose control and they would start firing up. And so these phenomena were happening. And then even when they started trying to shoot them into space um, during the cold war, there was actual, and people have come out as whistleblowers witnessing this. Um, It was the cameraman. I believe I saw he was the one being interviewed about this and the, the footage doesn't exist because the government took it. Wow. Right. But basically what the footage shows and he was the cameraman and he didn't see it until they brought the officers brought him in to see if he saw what was on the footage and they showed him the footage and they're like, well, what do you think that is? He goes, well, it looks like a UFO, sir. And they go, well, don't talk about this ever again. And they never saw the footage again. And what happened was they shot a nuke into space and a little flying saucer came and this thing is going like 3,000 miles an hour, the nuke, because it's going into space. Right. And it had to go into orbit. So it's going mile, thousands of miles an hour. And this little flying saucer zips up, gets right next to it, shoots a laser beam at it, flies in front of it, shoots a laser beam at it. And so keep in mind, this thing has immense control because it's going in at the same, at the right rate it needs to to kind of go around this thing that's shooting at 3000 miles an hour. Yeah. Right. So then it goes in front of it, shoots a laser beam, goes under it, shoots a laser beam, and then the thing falls down to the ground. Wow. So I wish that fucking footage existed somewhere. Like nobody, yeah. people have just tried to create animations of it. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so they were shooting them out of space and the whole thing with Tom DeLonge's theory is he says, this is all the whole cold war was a big cover up. Right. Um, that these are actual hostile aliens that have been here manipulating human DNA for thousands of years, giving us technology consciously or unconsciously, but really they're trying to make sure that we don't advance to a higher level of consciousness. So what they're doing, and this ties into the whole, the moon is a satellite theory. They think the moon is a satellite and inside the hollow moon is just this advanced AI. And so that's why people are afraid of AI taking over the world. I sound crazy right now. Well, yeah, yeah, no, no, this is a good point. And it's really important that like, when you talk about uh, government stuff and space programs, all this aliens, that there might be, it's just as plausible if there are yeah. different races yeah. of them. Just like 
your dog Tucker mm. and I have a dog Hondo, like they're a dog, but they're different. Right. And they all mm. come from a common ancestor, the wolf or whatever, yeah. like a, a Chihuahua and a Rottweiler are nothing in common. They're totally different, but they're the same thing. So there's probably other alien races and maybe not all of them are good. Maybe some yeah. are benevolent, some are benevolent and some want to help us and manipulate our DNA. So we don't go extinct yeah. and do things like bring us technology and like all this stuff. So, that's a huge thing that I've been open to in the past couple months. And I've read some more out there hippie stuff. I don't know how the hell you would estimate. Uh, but some mm. people say there's like 14 different alien races up to 14. Yeah. So, I mean, just picture that instead of just one little gray thing, because that confuses a lot of people when they start getting aliens, right? They're like, Oh, it's just some gray thing. It's like, maybe that's one, maybe lizard people are another, right? Maybe the reptilians yeah. or whatever. I don't, I, who knows? A lot of the abduction cases, they're talking about, this race and this is common among a lot of abductees they're talking about uh they were abducted by a race of aliens that look like humans but like the aryan race so they look oh, norwegian they actually call them the nordics so they have blonde hair blue eyes they, they look like humanoids wow. just like a few differences in the cartilage of the nose and ears wow yeah it's crazy i mean it's really plausible that there's multiple ones and that's something i've been like okay and then if you want to talk about we're just throwing it all out there. Yeah. That's kind of the goal of this. We're going so it's deep. Just, a lot it's just to throw everything out there and let people be like, I've never thought of it that way. And just take one of these points as a jump off point and do your own research and yeah. stuff. That's the best way to learn about anything. So while we're throwing it all out there, one of the big things that I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense is that there's... Is it 11 dimensions that we know? 11 known dimensions to us, right? If string theory is correct, I yeah. believe. I if believe that's string correct. theory is the one that... Oh, okay kind of proves the other dimensions so we have other dimensions let's just say and they say that through psychedelics which i'm not a, i don't do psychedelics i even get paranoid on weed i uh, wish i didn't yeah but i'm terrible at that i've never done them but they say you know and it's reported people see the same things and that could be you accessing a different consciousness through different dimensions so what if one of the ways these races communicate with us and going back to ancient stuff like aztecs mayans and you know all these ancient cultures have psychedelic rituals maybe that's one of the ways aliens communicate with us and give us these technological advances is through actually another dimension than what we're seeing right now is when you do that you access it through psychedelic drugs and trips and like ayahuasca ceremonies you know you see a serpent you see a mantis you see yeah. el clockwork elves all these people that you report on really deep levels same with mushrooms if you take the right amount like go super deep blast off it shoots you into that so maybe that's a way they're communicating with this and then what alex jones says that goes even <laughs> one step deeper is that this is the secret of top government officials that they actually do these rituals and psychedelic things and these elves and stuff they're like not benevolent they're like evil and they uh try to uh present themselves as like being good for you right and so they're giving them all these ideas yeah. And that's actually what was manipulating Hitler too. Is like the same entities oh, that gave him that technology and all that are the same ones that some politicians are doing like rituals on yeah. and why they get so corrupt and evil. And that's like the dark conspiracy side that you can go mm. down and shoot down it. I wouldn't recommend people do that just cause it's, it's not going to end anywhere good for you. You're just yeah. going to be like, fuck everything, you know, like yeah. fuck the government, like all this stuff's just get like, you go crazy if you go that deep, but like, psychedelics are another wrench in the gear of like, okay, well what is that? You know? And you can wrap, you can talk about consciousness. You can talk about historical figures that have done that. You can talk about ancient civilizations. I think that that is another form of communication with extraterrestrials. Right. There's actually a theory. Um, a guy who researched um, the Holy Grail 
kind of like Dan Brown from the Da Vinci Code, right? This guy researched the Holy Grail and he kind of came to the same conclusion. He believes that in the Bible and all this stuff, the a lot of the analogies that they're talking about with angels and Jesus and all the parables are actually um, analogies talking about psychedelic mushrooms. Yeah. Which is kind of funny. And he's like a, a legit scientist, you know, who yeah. researches this. Yeah. Yeah, there's some legit people coming out. One guy I really respect, Michael Pollan. Um, he wrote a ton of nutrition books, and I loved his take on it and everything. And he's really just a guy, kind of no bullshit. Uh, you know, everyone says, do this, say do this. Um, but he came out with a book on psychedelics. I haven't read it yet, but yeah. I hear it's great. Interesting. Yeah. Um, how do we get on psychedelics? Oh, well, that's another different alien races. Maybe one of the ways they communicate is through psychedelic rituals, ancient civilizations. That to me kind of ties everything together. It like allows us to get on that energetic level. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And so, you know, you were going through the historical progression of oh, yeah. m- the, the main theories. And I'm saying, what if the other theory is, you know, that's a very logical way to think about things that it happened sequentially. Um, but what if a lot of these jumps in technology and communications and different alien races or whatever happen through actual different methods and different dimensions through psychedelics and maybe some come physically to us when you're not doing it yeah. like, you know, and have, we have physical stuff, but dude, why? Okay. This is, this is good. Like if you're so advanced and you have such an interest in earth, first off, why would they have such an interest in us? I don't know. Maybe we have minerals here. It's been reported that are very rare, like gold yeah. um, in the universe. And they need that to power their spacecrafts and all this other tech. And earth is rich in it. That's one of the theories of why they're interested in us. And that's why every civilization like worships gold and it's valuable. And we have pyramids and at the top, you know, gold and gold, everything. And that's like a currency. And maybe we're slaves that mine it for them so they don't have to do the dirty work. But anyway, um, oh, man, I lost the train of thought. Uh, talking about the um, summer malevolence. Oh, 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 interest in us. Yeah. Yeah, why would they be interested in us? Um, oh, this is what I was going to say. Uh, if you're so advanced, right, that you're out there on your spacecraft, you have all this technology, why would you show up physically as yourself and risk your life light years away even if you could teleport, like, yeah, why, why risk it? Like you mentioned, you Google earth area 51 and you're prowling around on area 51 on Google earth, right? You wouldn't actually go there with a camera. Like I'm going to break into area 51. No, that's stupid because it's going to be a waste of time. You're probably uh, not going to see anything. So it's and like, there's a better show up here physically. Exactly. So what a theory that I really like is that they're avatars. So those gray bodies, that's nothing more than just an avatar and they're just kind of maybe remote viewing or manipulating through AI or whatever, some advanced thing. And that's not them. That's just a little robot body essentially. Yeah. And, and that's really cool to me. I'm like, Oh, that would make sense. Cause yeah, you wouldn't show up physically. If you're so advanced, you wouldn't risk yourself or you wouldn't go through all the effort. You would just manipulate your drone to do that. Yeah. So that's one thing I've, I've been like, Oh, makes sense. I would wonder the same thing too. I feel like, um, I've definitely heard that theory as well. And I, I, why not? You can't you can't disprove it. You yeah. Know? Um, even with the whole Commander Fravor where he saw the Tic Tac and it was kind of just bouncing around like a little yeah. fucking uh, and it had no windows. So if it had no windows, what if it's just like a little drone? You know, yeah. you don't know yeah. that. Yeah, it could very well be a drone. I mean, again, our advances in technology, even in 20 years, have gotten, you know, exponential. It's it's yeah. crazy to think that it wouldn't keep doing that. And even who knows what tech's going to be in the next 10 years? Like 
next hundred years, maybe they're a thousand, three thousand years ahead. Could you imagine like the, the advancement for us is going like, so like up here to down here might only be like 10 years, but then manipulate that another 10 years. It's up here, another 10. So we don't like, we always think of aliens with our human brains and like what we have in front of us, like a spacecraft. Well, where did they get the gasoline? Oh, well, where did they like, how they have an army? Yeah. Like maybe there's we just assume we have to go there the slow way. Yeah. With yeah. Rocky. Light years away. Yeah, with oh, fossil it's in, fuels. That, and that's that's what pissed me off about scientists and astronomers talking about stuff is like, well, you can't travel. It's impossible because you need to break the speed of light. And it's thousands of light years away to the nearest planet. So therefore, life doesn't exist yeah. because we haven't. Been, I'm like, dude, if you're looking at those jumps in tech, it's stupid and really dumb to think and arrogant to think that we're not going to get better past gasoline and fossil fuels and even how fast we can go. Yeah. You know, it's like it, it, to me, it's more crazy to think that we're alone or that we haven't been contacted by extraterrestrials of some form that aren't more advanced than us. When we have a lot of evidence for it, we have ancient civilizations where we still have questions. We're like, how the hell did that happen? Yeah. And our technology will seem archaic to wherever they're at. Here's what's even crazier about that. I'm going to try to blow your mind here. Um, thinking about kind of like, uh, what were you saying that you were saying about, fuck, I just lost my train of thought. Uh, I was talking about archaic technological exponential growth. Yeah, yeah. Um, why would they come here as an avatar? Uh, so I'll make the point. I feel like I'll remember how it connects. But like, look, uh, if I heard Lawrence Krauss, same guy, he was saying, if you change the way you think about, oh, Thinking about, because you're talking about, well, scientists mainstream like to say, we can't go there. That's a million light years away. Right. So think about what do we, why do we call it a light year? Well, because that's the distance it would go, a light, a light particle would go in a year, right? But what is a year? A year is a man-made creation to describe one revolution of our planet around our sun. So our units of time are dependent on our place in space and our relative this to the sun, right? So an ancient civilization might measure time completely different if they measure time at all. So here's what's even crazier. This guy, Lawrence Krauss was saying, there's a, this is actual scientific fact. I forgot the name of this kind of the way this, this law of science or whatever, but he says, if you changed, um, in our modern science, the charge of a, a proton to negative, you just arbitrarily were like, it's negative. And you change an electron to positive charge it wouldn't change a damn thing about the way our, we understand laws of physics because positive charge and negative charge is just our way to describe, oh, the, the molecules pointed this way and then the molecules pointed that way. It's arbitrary labels we put on uh, what we can observe. Mm, just yeah. like our understanding of how we get here to there is based on how much time does it take. But time for us is a man-made created thought yeah. based on our place in space. Right, it's relative. So based on what you were saying, what if our understanding of physics is actually not how physics actually works at all, right? Yeah. People thought the earth was flat and it got them by, got them through the day, but then they found out it wasn't flat. So what if we th- we're really like the on on a physics understanding level, we're the flat earthers to the way this shit actually works. Right, it might very well be and the, the it is more you have to be really certain that there's no other form of life out there. You know you can fit I was doing a TikTok on this, so it's fresh in my head on facts that I was looking up and whatnot. It sounded like Neil deGrasse Tyson. Our sun, okay, let's just start there. It's so fucking big. You know how many Earths we can fit in the sun? How many? 1.3 million. Damn. 
That's how big our sun is. But in the grand scheme of things, we have a small sun. Yeah. Right. So if the person watching this right now, if they draw a little I, just an average handwriting, a lowercase I, you know, with a line and a dot, that one dot right there represents the size of our sun right now. Okay. Well, then our sun compared to the size of our galaxy is that dot. That's how fucking big our galaxy is. That one little dot right there on that eye, that's our sun, which 1.3 million Earths can fit in. And the galaxy is the actual size of Earth. Like, Earth is huge to us right now. But, like, in the grand scheme of the galaxy, nothing. Then they also say that there's more galaxies than if you took all the sand on every single beach, every single grain of sand you could find, there's more galaxies out there in the entire universe. Like, and there might be a multiverse and there might be multi, you know, multiple universes and whatever. And at the center, there's a giant black hole. that's exactly precisely mathematically like 0.01% or something, something like that. Yeah. The actual matter of all the galaxies. So when you start adding up like the just sheer volume of where we are and where this little speck you know, I, I believe we are spiritual beings having temporary human experience. That's what I believe. But whatever you believe, like we're so small in the grand scheme of things, if you look at it logically like that, to say that there's nothing else out there to me, in my opinion, yeah, is more crazy than to say there is. And that's it. Yeah. Think about like that. That is fucking crazy. Like, I think I heard a stat, something like along those lines, where if you think about the grains of sand on all the beaches in the earth, right? There's still, we can see in our night sky, we can see more galaxies that are just as big as our galaxy. If not way bigger, we can see as many more than there are grains, grains of sand on the entire earth. Right. And each one. So there's a, we can observe the way she said it. There is a hundred billion galaxies that we can physically observe. Right. So you zoom, you look look through a telescope, you zoom in on it real close. That star that you thought was a star is actually an entire galaxy. There's a hundred billion of those that we can see. And inside of each galaxy is a hundred billion stars, just like the star that we live around, right? And each one of those stars, hundred billion, inside of a hundred billion of them, has at least a few planets around them, a lot of them, most of them, right? So... How naive are we to think that we are the only planet that has life? And if you even, so this was was blowing my mind about the galaxy documentary I was watching last night on Netflix. If you think about our galaxy and they kind of panned out and we're thinking macro, macro scale here and they kind of panned out. They said our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy is in a cluster in our point in space of about 30 galaxies. And the closest one of them is 2 million light years away and it's called the Andromeda galaxy. And the Milky Way and the Andromeda are similar in size, but in our cluster of 30 plus, they, they're they a lot bigger than the ones around us, right? And so when I'm thinking about comparing our galaxy and how similar it is to this galaxy and how similar it is to that galaxy, right? Yeah. I'm thinking, well, if that galaxy looks like ours and is similar to ours and has the same laws of physics as ours that we can observe, how crazy would it be for us to think that we're the only one that formed a planet that can form life? You know what I'm saying? In my head... It's actually way more believable to think that there's a lot of life yeah. than there is that there's, we're the only ones. And this is very hard for an ego to accept. And I've been deep diving since I moved to Arizona really into spirituality. And like I used to get really, um, I think men particularly have this chip on their shoulder where we need to leave a mark. 
right? We need to be known for something. We need our name on a library. Otherwise, what is my life for? Like, uh, I need to leave a legacy. Yeah. I need to make it. And typically that comes in the form of having a family, right? And that's great. Or the other form for men, normally it's like making a shit ton of money so I can be high status, right? That's what people want. But when we're talking about the grand scheme of things and what a spec we are, does it A, even really matter? And then B, more logically and less spiritual on this grand scheme, right? Where we're talking about grains of sand or galaxies. Like, yeah, we really don't matter. But like, do you even remember the middle 20 or 30 presidents? Can you list them off the top of your head? No. And they made it to the motherfucking top of the status symbol. Rich, famous, powerful men on earth. You can't even remember the middle 30. Yeah, they're recorded in history books, but who really looks? We can't even say them off the top of their head. And those are guys who have left a mark, right? So coming to terms with the fact that we, two generations from now, like our great grandkids aren't going to remember us. And I know this sounds so negative and like, damn, that's, that's dark, dude. But like, it's, to me, it's been the most freeing thing when you can drop this whole need of, I have to leave a mark. Otherwise my life is meaningless. No, your meaning of life is to be present here right now. Enjoy the fucking ride, strap yourself in, have some fun, be present in the moment because the whole myth of needing to lead a mark is your false ego and not your higher consciousness really trying to speak and take over and live from that dude. And so like, I don't know, man, we're just so microscopic in the grand scheme of things. And I found a lot of peace in that instead of the dark doom and gloom, I always try to go to the light and I'm like, that's really freeing to me of like, being able to drop that. And I think that comes with age too. Like as mm. we're both approaching our thirties, right. Um, it's like, you know, when you're an 18 year old kid, you got all this energy with you and you're like, Oh, I gotta be remembered. I gotta figure everything out. And then when you get older, you realize that the, the things you really want in life don't require money. The ocean still feels as good when you're swimming in it. If you have a million dollars, if you have $0, you know, I've known cause I've had $0 and it felt great. I was in Hawaii backpacking around. So like, the good, th good conversations, good friends, like this stuff is true at the core of like what we need as humans and yeah. like not the false stuff of like bigger and better and egoic. And I think that like to tie it back into the, the alien stuff, maybe that's how they're manipulating us through fear and war and all this stuff is like they're pumping up our ego yeah. and that's a very masculine energy, right? Mm. And it's very masculine. It's very like fight, go for it, leave your mark. Yeah, yeah, you can do it, humans. And that's like a that's like a malevolent evil force. Maybe that is Satan if you want to go with that, right? Or Lucifer, which just means a uh, bringer of light is some weird translation. Maybe the, the more feminine approach, right? You've heard the saying, the future is female. Well, maybe that's a metaphor for saying we're coming out of that egoic leave a mark. We, you know, we have to be significant energy and we're merging more into this feminine energy of like higher consciousness where we're all waking up and we're all really stepping into things. And that has nothing to do with gender. It's just the energies we all have. And so I don't know, man, I really see that as, as the awakening that people are talking about. Um, I know you're looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> you didn't ask a single question, but I'm, I'm, I'm just, just letting like, you go. Yeah. yeah. I'm just riffing on it, man. Yeah. Because like, I think all this higher power stuff, when you start looking at aliens and why you guys talking about that and races and conspiracies and stuff, it's about truth. And it's about why are we really here? And I think that when you start looking at it, even regardless of what's happening out there, we're here to be here now. To me, that's the most freeing stuff yeah. out there. And that's why I can sleep at night and still geek the fuck out on conspiracies and aliens and still keep a level headed mm. and not lose your mind with it. And I think that's really important for people to realize. Otherwise, you will lose your mind and think the whole world is evil and go into hell in a handbasket. You, you got to embrace it. So know? do you feel like your motivation to looking into the whole um, what's really going on is like 
kind of finding peace with your place in the universe? I think so. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. Mm. I think that the reason a lot of the stuff we've been talking about is not public, I think, and maybe this is being, being naive, I don't think there's some evil death cult wanting to blow us all up. I think it's actually good a lot of it's not public because look at what happened with freaking COVID and the world being quarantined in your homes lost their minds. You know what I mean? Like imagine if we got leaked that we were having communication for three decades with an extraterrestrial race. Oh yeah. in the cold war. Oh, that wasn't actually us first Russia. It was actually like aliens being involved and we were actually on the same team yeah. and like our secret government programs are working to get like all that stuff was public and like, I don't know if it is true, but if it was, the world, I think, would fundamentally fall apart. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think a lot of humans would have the self-awareness. Well, that's that's why Tom DeLonge says they're they're not disclosing it. Exactly. And so I actually think it's a good thing. A lot of the yeah. secrets are secret. You know, I, I like talking about what we know and speculating and stuff, but I, I don't I don't view it as some, like, evil cover-up where there's, mm. yeah, cigar-filled rooms and people plotting this out. I think it's humans and... Uh, I'd like to think that there's some people who know more than us that are have a, have everyone's best interest and have a soul and yeah. a, a high level of self-awareness. So let me ask you this. More of the story. Do you believe that aliens exist and, or should I say extraterrestrials, and do you believe that they are here? And follow, third question, do you believe they're from another planet or another dimension? I think yes to all of them. <laughs> I think it's possible all of them. Okay. I think you can be in other dimensions and from another planet. I mean, we... So you think they definitely exist and you think they're here? Definitely. And I think they they have multiple ways of communicating. That's, to my best estimate, through all the research, through everything, and mm. who knows, I might change my mind in five years, you know, if new research comes forward yeah. or stuff. Do you feel like I there's anybody is. in the government who actually interacts with them and talks to them and studies them? Or do you think it's more of a remote thing that we just see them in the sky every now and then? I think there has to be, you know, don't you? Like, I, I don't I don't see any way. Yeah, I think there has to be. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's kind of where I just find it an entertaining story to read and, and try to figure out the clues like a detective. But for me, what I know to be true, or at least fully believe that it might be true, um, is that there are definitely UFOs. Now, here's where I go. I know I've sounded crazy earlier in this podcast, but I'm truly trying to be a little bit skeptical. So that way I don't go down the crazy parts of the rabbit hole. Um, because I believe you even if I be. see a UFO, how do I know that's not some man-made yeah. creation? Yeah, or ours that we're trying to test out. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So how do we know that it's alien? And I think for me, I would have to see an actual... Even if I saw a UFO, I still wouldn't fully know that it was extraterrestrial until I saw the being that was operating it. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess my interest is, one, I want to know, what does the government know? Is it true? And why are they covering it up? And then secondly, I want to know, do we know them? Are we cool with them? Can we study them? Can we go to their planet? Can I visit another galaxy safely and return home and go to bed at night, you know? Yeah. Um, cause that's the shit that I would want to do. And unfortunately I don't think in my lifetime I'll ever, uh, see at least our civilization get to the point where we can do that. So you want to take the red pill. It really is analogous to the matrix. I mean, really yeah. like the whole UFO extraterrestrial, what is the meaning of life? Like Dude, I want to be the real life star Wars. I want to be traveling to another planet in another galaxy. How crazy would it be if I was able to visit a planet that was safe for me to visit and a fun place to go, like going on vacation to Las Vegas, that's 
not even in the in our galaxy, but across the universe, not even in a nearby galaxy. Yeah. How crazy would that be, bro? This is the thing. It, all my friends, when I asked them about space tourism and Mars and all, you know, like they wanted, who wanted to send people to Mars, but it was pretty much a, a one-way mission. And like they had a hundred thousand people apply in like a month, right? Just like, I don't care. I have nothing here. And the yeah. applications were super dark and sad. Bro, if space tourism was legal, I don't think I'd go. Why? I don't want to. Like, I love it on Earth. I think mm. we're living in the, one of the best times to be alive with a lot of freedom, yeah. with a lot of people here. I think that is why we're here. You know, if you believe in reincarnation or what, maybe we reincarnated to love this human experience on Earth and here. And finding peace with the simplicity of it. I think that when you start adding on galaxies and travel and dimensions and light speed and technology, it just gets too complex. And mm. I'm not saying I want the blue pill. I want to see the red pill and the blue pill. And I want to know everything in the red pill and then be okay with the blue pill. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I don't think that's settling or that's a bad thing at all. I think that's a gift because I've had times where it was never enough and I needed more, you know, more money, more women, more um, alcohol, more stimulation. And that's never made me happy in my life. And I think the only times I've ever gotten glimpses of true happiness and true whatever bliss was in the present moment. And so I don't think that stuff of other dimensions or other galaxies would actually make me more present and thus it wouldn't make me happier. So what's the point, you know? Mm. Yeah. You're definitely on like an, another level of like, uh, like I, I'm seeing two sides of the same coin here. Cause like you, even on your channel talk about like law of attraction and energy and stuff. And I'm self-admittedly to Brian and to a lot of people like I'm one who struggles to be more on the energetic side as far as like talking about energy, talking about frequencies like this. I'm a very logical person. So like it, it's almost interesting to hear kind of your motivations and your thoughts about the same things I'm thinking about, but you're saying you're using terms like energy consciousness. And I'm using terms like, time galaxies light speed you know yeah. science logic um and we're all saying the same thing but just yeah. two languages yeah and that's the exact thing i realized about six months ago when i had this big reawakening i would call it to like more spirituality stuff and eastern stuff and before i was like this is bullshit i even had friends in the space i'm like they like what the fuck are they talking about like you can say words and people believe it oh that's crazy but like now i truly believe this stuff not everything i think there's I like keep, you know, having my beer too and like having some uh, level headed with it and not getting totally lost in the crystals and sage. But like, you know, I, it is two sides of the same coin. You brought up a good point. It's like masculine, feminine ways of explaining things. And it's like, you can be all science and logic to explain what the meaning of life is. And I think that's what like Tony Robbins and business and like the self-development camp goes after and productivity. It's like, really trying to figure out how to be happy with all the craziness going on. Mm. And then you have the Eastern camp, which is more like, you know, the yogis and the spirituality and the Eastern stuff and love. And like that's saying a lot of the same stuff that this yeah. is saying or stoic philosophers, right? You could put that in this camp as masculine and feminine energy. And we're both saying the same thing. And the beauty is walking that middle path and having both yeah. that you don't have to choose either or you say yes. And, and that's even what the Buddha spoke about is like the middle path. That was like his biggest teaching is like the middle path. Right. And, uh, I think everyone's saying the same thing. It's just yeah. accepting them both. It's, uh, <clears throat> so I don't know. I, I like, I think for me, like, cause you, you mentioned a couple of times you're like, would that make me happy to kind of go down that side? And I even think for me, like, it's not even like a happiness thing. I, I don't, 
I don't think I'll be more or less happy when I find out the answer to any of these questions, right? I think for me, it's more like uh, intrigue. I'm intrigued at the missing part of the story, the story that I'm living in, this 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 existence that I have, this experience I'm having in my human experience or whatever. I just want to make sense of it. Like even to the point where I'm intrigued enough to where I was telling Kate today, I was like, I thought about the other night just buying a calculus textbook and like teaching myself calculus. Is that weird? I don't know. Because I think for me, I'm like, I just want to understand how it works. Kind of yeah. like in the same way an engineer, some guy who's just building shit in high school just becomes an engineer naturally because he's just interested in building shit. I think I'm just interested in understanding fundamentally how that thing works. Yeah, the curiosity. That's what you got. And that's a gift, dude. That a lot of people actually have, but it's masked by distractions, intoxicants, and delusions. Like, the, it is. And so I think that the more curious you can get, and this is, I know we're off the alien subject briefly, but like, you know, some life advice based on what, what I found out that makes me happy and I know works for people is like, the more curious you can get about things, the happier you will be because the op happiness is a bullshit word. You can say I'm totally happy shooting heroin, but we know that's not happiness. That's like a state, right? You know, you can say, oh, I'll be totally happy when I win the lottery, but you survey lottery winners and within a year, they're sometimes less happy and they, you know, it makes like a 10% difference. So like, what is happy? Happiness is so arbitrary. I think a better question is what excites you? Because where that energy is of excitement, dude, that's, that's what makes you feel alive. And when you're alive, you're in the present moment and you can't help but feel happy. You don't even think about being happy because you just are. And that's what we really want. So I think like, the, the more you can tap into that present moment, which comes from excitement, which comes from curiosity, it's reawakening those gifts inside of you, dude, of like, oh, what what's making, what did I want to do when I was 14 years old? When I was 14 years old, you know, I wanted to do, yeah, I played basketball all day. I remember being at the skate park all day or like playing basketball for eight hours and time was just a blur. Time was an illusion, right? The more you can tap into that stuff, dude, the more alive you'll be and the more happy you will be. It's really excitement. That's what we want. Mm. You, uh, so you actually used to go to skate parks when you were a kid? I did go to skate parks. No Skateboarding? Uh, yeah, I was terrible. Blading. I was terrible at skateboarding. I, I realized I was a musician, not an athlete at yeah. a very young age. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So your athletic experience was trying to skateboard? Yeah, pretty much. But I was too scared to drop in, mm. right? Because I saw this guy like just bust open his knees and yeah. scream oh, down there on the concrete. Oh. And I'm like... You know what? I'll pass guys. Yeah. Like I'll go with you to the skate park, but I, uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I got into a skating phase when I was in fourth and fifth grade. Um, because this kid who, this is a, this is a kind of a story that really did come full circle. Cause it really, I think sparked me to want to break away from the mainstream because I went to, when I was in fifth grade, I was in this small Christian school. So there's eight people in my class and it's, yeah. we're the fifth graders in this school. And, um, one of the kids who was new that, that year and he lived in my neighborhood. So I've kind of just known him throughout the years, especially since that small class in fifth grade, his name is Sean Malto. You know who Shout Sean out Mal Sean. You know who Sean Malto is? No, I don't. Is? is he a pro skater? Oh, like super big pro it sounds skater. Sounds like a pro skater. Well, when we're fifth grade, we're like 10 years old, right? Yeah. And so, um, first day this kid brings his skateboard to school. And his parents were military at the time. So they would uh he had moved here from Hawaii. Looks like a kid from Hawaii. Yeah. Wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Johnny I'm sure. Tsunami. He looked like Johnny Tsunami, like yeah. dark skin and uh dark features, um, really tan. Anyways, 
he built on this basketball court that nobody was using uh, or like this ten tennis court on the fort there, Fort Leavenworth, um, a little homemade skate park and t- wow. so many kids used it. And I remember he would bring a skateboard to school and my entire class, all eight of us, and, and then the, the class above us and the class below us, everybody got into skateboarding because... Sean Malto would talk about CCS, the magazine, um, and and he oh, would yeah, CCS. He yeah, would show us the the decks you could buy, and the trucks yeah. you could buy, yeah. and then his brothers were also in the school, so they were also big into skateboarding too. Yeah, um, and Sean was like really good as a ten year old. Like I'm not talking like oh that kid's got talent as a skateboarder. I'm talking this kid's doing tricks that they're doing on Tony Hawk Pro Skater the game. Right, you know, the like, pizza boy. Yeah, <laughs> and so I, I had known this kid throughout the years. We'd in college and high school that at parties we're in the same town. Um, I ended up going to a different school the following year anyway. So that's why I had, I threw that in, but more of the story is I'm in college and I'm sit studying for like an organic chemistry test or something. I'm 20 years old. I'm broke as fuck. And I'm sitting in my four bedroom apartment with three roommates and I'm studying for this exam that I don't want to be taking. And I have TV on in the background. It's on ESPN. I turn around and there's a skateboarding competition. And lo and behold, Sean Malto is on the skateboarding competition. And Whoa. he won it. It was Whoa. Rob Deerdeck's skateboarding competition on ESPN. And he won it. It was like a 300 grand check that he won. Right? You and call him right up. <laughs> no, I didn't have his number. This is years later. So this is in college. And we were in fifth grade together and just grew up in the same town. So we'd yeah. see each other off and on. Um, and so uh, literally... I'm sitting there having like an, a moment of existential crisis. Like 10 years ago, we were in the same room yeah. with the same advantages. And here I am. And he, there he is. He's on TV holding this check. And I'm like, I feel like this makes me want to strive for more. Like, I feel yeah. like if we started in the same place, why is he so further up in status and celebrity and money yeah. than I am? And so that really was like my first moment of realization. Like, am I doing the right thing? Is this really the right way to go? Talking about blue pill, red pill. I think that was the moment I saw the red pill. Everyone's got that. But like, okay, look at that story. Sean's passion for skateboarding, his excitement, his happiness was like a positive virus that spread to three different classes. And you all took up skateboarding because one person was so freaking amped on it. Yeah. Like that's the power you really want to leave a mark. You know, you really want to leave a legacy. The best thing you can do is get really excited about stuff. And like, that's infectious. And that's, you really want to change the world, get excited about shit, you know, and that's going to rub off on people and push them to do more. Just like you saw them on 10 years later on TV, like that pushed you to do more. That was inspiring. So that to me is like the ultimate thing we should all be striving for to really change the world, not bitching on social media all day and like trying to take the best selfie. Like, that's why I fucking hate Instagram, dude. And I, I always cuss too much when I'm here. But, like, <laughs> dude, I, I've been so, so discouraged by, like, the flexing on Instagram. And, like, you know, we all go through stages and stuff. But I just, I woke up and I'm like, that's not helping anyone. That actually tears people down. Because it's like, oh, compared to that, I'm nothing. That's not inspiring. Flexing is not inspiring. What's inspiring is, like, education and, like, infectious energy and like researching stuff and sharing your ideas and getting people to level up faster. That's what a true leader does. A true leader doesn't sit on Instagram with a Rolex and like, you know, fake Gucci's and just sit there like, you know, like that's not leadership. That's, that's ego. And so I don't know how we got on that. You didn't ask a question about it, but like, I feel like it's an important message to share. It's like compare yourself to the right people model after the right people, dude. And like, Choose who you're comparing yourself to because that will 
either elevate you with excitement and joy and happiness like we've been talking about, right? Or it will suck you down in comparison, right? It's So excitement elevates you, but comparison of the flex offenders and whatnot like sinks you down because you're like, I'm never going to be there. And that's something I realized going to all these events and masterminds and spending 66 grand last year just on like travel and events and masterminds and stuff, dude. It was like, I, I stopped doing that. Yeah. I haven't been to a single event this year. Don't really have When any I found plans. out you and I made the same amount of money last year and then we ended up claiming the same amount of money. Yeah, that's so weird. I knew how much money I spent and yeah. I was like, how the fuck did I end up spending that much money so yeah. I could write it all off? And now I'm wondering, oh, how the fuck did Clark spend all that money? And that's where it went, huh? <laughs> Mastermind. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't regret it, dude. But I bought into the your network is your net worth and all this stuff. And like, to a certain degree, that's that's well and dandy. But like, a lot of the people in the industry don't actually make you happy. I would argue that a lot of the gurus people are watching, because I was in this camp a year or two ago, um, I'd say 90% of them actually make you less happy than you think. And it, Chances are if they're people, if they're entrepreneurs who are like, be more, achieve more, you know, like seven ways you can become a millionaire. I would argue that that's going to make you less happy because they're, it's all about them. It's not really about you. And so I unsubscribed from pretty much every YouTube channel. So subscribe to yours. <laughs> and I, I, my, this one. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. This both. And, yeah. uh, my happiness so I can thumbs up them. Dope. Yeah. I'm subscribed to your marketing channel and your main channel. Oh, nice. Is that both of them or do you have more? Yeah. I don't really do much on the marketing, just the refusing to settle one and get yeah. really focused on trying to like lift people up together and right. like push people to do better and how to manifest a text from your ass. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> what, yeah, that's shit works, dude. It's crazy. <laughs> I would, if people are laughing, don't knock it till you try it. Um, but anyway, man, like, you know, the money will come when you're excited. That's what I've realized. And like, maybe I wasn't as excited last year and like the money grew a little bit yeah. year after year, but I was never as on fire as yeah. I am right now. How did you get into the law of attraction? Um, it's, uh, I would say, so we were talking about college earlier and I went to that small Christian private school and just got so bored with all my classes and stuff. And I was like, Oh God, I would just go on YouTube all day, even when there wasn't that great of content. And I was naturally curious about things and I kept hearing about energy and attracting and all this stuff. And I really got into it. My room was just plastered with crystals. I had kombucha brewing that was like this big Scobies that big, you know, I'd brew everything. I'd go to the spring nearby. That was like 20 miles away, I would drive my little shitty Buick up there and fill up glass jugs because plastic leeches, plastic in there of spring water to cleanse my body and stuff. So like I was so hippie in college and then I graduated. And so in, in that college phase, I was really into law of attraction. I just found it on YouTube. It makes so much sense. I was listening to a lot of Tony Robbins. It was the Eastern spin on it. So I'm like, oh, that's great. It makes sense. And then I kind of got graduated college and then fell into that like flex entrepreneur phase where I'm like, Oh, I need to make money and like talk about business and all this stuff and compare myself and pay for masterminds and all this stuff. Right. And then like, it just didn't make me happy. And I realized like I would spend a lot of my day in anxiety and that was coming from, I feel like this is what Joe Dispenza says. He says, anxiety is worrying about your future. Right. And there's multiple different forums out there. Don't post in the comments. That's not what anxiety is Clark. Like it's clinically, uh, everyone wants to like give their definition, but simplify it. Yeah. Anxiety, you're worried about your future. What's going to happen? What are they saying about me? Things that haven't happened yet. Okay. Depression is thinking about your past, right? Oh, did she really, why didn't she call me back then? Like, did I really fuck that up in that date? Oh man, I, sh I really screwed the pooch at that mastermind. Like yeah. I should have said, you know, that's like, I realized I was getting depression from things in my business that I didn't do, missed opportunities, kind of like you were looking and comparing yourself to that kid, but you got inspired by it, which is great. 
But I, I wouldn't. I would see people and I'd be like, man, if only I'd started a year ago talking about this and comparing. And then my future, I was like, well, if the numbers aren't growing or if they're growing at this rate, what am I even doing? I'm just wasting my life and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It was making me so unhappy, dude, being in the business space and like talking about all this stuff. I was just unhappy. I wasn't excited. I was burnt out. I was not happy. And then you asked how I got into law of attraction when uh, I moved here. So I made a decision like I just got to mix stuff up because I've found that mixing stuff up is the fastest way to like try something else, you know? And so I moved here to kind of on a whim to Arizona. I knew some friends here like you and Brian. And uh, I feel like this place to go really spiritual has like a different energy than Seattle. Just the weather alone, you know, uh, I mean, being in the sun makes you yeah. happier. But it just kind of reawakened me to a lot of the things I was connecting to in college. And I I think it's so it's less about how did I get into it and how did I um, like become open to it, I think yeah. is a better way to say it. Because I think everyone agrees at a certain level, your thoughts create your reality, your beliefs create your reality. Um, but it's like being open to that and embracing that and not being okay, not having all the answers and dropping the ego at, to the best we can. We still do it every day, right? of like needing to be better than people and leaving a mark and all that stuff that doesn't make you happy. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. The short answer is I realized it made me more happy than what I was doing. Mm. <clears throat> so I guess it, when I think law of attraction and I keep in mind, I'm coming from the frame of, I haven't really gone deep into the law of attraction rabbit hole. Um, in fact, my experience with it, I guess was a little bit negative in the sense that um, I, when I was in high school, I, my basketball, career wasn't panning out the way I would want. And, uh, my dad could see that it was, it was eating away at me. I, my entire senior year, I was just like, I constantly had anxiety and stress because like you said, I felt like what was happening in the world was not how it was supposed to be in my head. Yeah. You know, I'm specifically related to basketball, right? So I'd spend all day, every day obsessing about it, working on my game, trying to get better, trying to get more playing time, things like that. And I felt like I never got the recognition I deserved from my basketball coach because like with all the shit that I was doing, um, and it was almost like to me, it felt like I would do good. And then in his head, he would yell at the person who I was against because they did bad rather than me doing good. And it felt like I just couldn't get a win. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so my dad was like, I was a senior in high school and this is when the, the secret got really big when I was a senior and my dad watched it and he's like, Hey, you need to come over and you need to watch the secret. I want you to watch the secret with me. And my dad is similar to me in the sense that he's a very logical person. Energy is not his thing. It never yeah. was. He passed away. So um, it wasn't his thing. But so the fact that he was saying that to me was significant. And I remember that I just at the time, I think I was just so in my own head that I was like, fuck this. I don't want to go watch that stupid fucking movie. Yeah. You know, I just want to go to the, the court and play more basketball. Right. And so I, I basically ghosted my dad when he ex was expecting me to come over and watch the movie. Um, my parents were divorced, so I didn't, wasn't at his house that week or whatever. Um, so anyways, uh, I, when I'm in college around the same time, the Sean Malto thing happens. Um, it was like finals. It was like, I remember this because, uh, I watched the secret and I call my dad. I'm like, hey, dad. And I'm like a junior in high school at this point or junior in college at this point. So it was like three or four years later. And I'm like, hey, dad, uh, I'm watching The Secret finally. It's on Netflix. I'm like, I'm surprised you didn't bring it up after I didn't watch it with you that in high school because this is a dope ass movie because I was sold. I was like law of attraction, energy, you attract, you yeah. manifest, you think about what you want. Bob Proctor. In yeah. There. yeah. <laughs> it's the first time I'd heard about any of this stuff. Yeah. Bob Proctor was in there. 
Yeah. Your thoughts become things. I fucking love Bob Proctor. <laughs> he worked for Bob Proctor. I don't know if you know that. Oh, that's sick. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to talk later about that. Yeah. I love Bob Proctor. Really? Yeah. So I yeah, I don't I haven't even looked into Bob Bob Proctor's stuff. So, anyways, um, I remember one part in the movie, they were talking about, yeah, so I got diagnosed with cancer and then I found out about the law of attraction and I thought about overcoming it and beating it and then i beat it against all the odds yeah yeah what's crazy is the week after i watched this movie so here's the thing i call my dad in the middle of the movie and my dad he was he was a guy who you would think was like 40s or 50s but he was actually 65 at this point in time so uh he but he's also working his ass off he's one of the higher he used to ironically this is somewhat connected not not completely, but tangent to dan- tangentially connected to the alien conspiracy because he worked for a company called Allied Signal, um, which is an aerospace company um, when I was born. So early, early 90s. And that company got bought out by Honeywell, big company. Yeah. Um, and Honeywell, he since he was one of the higher ups in Allied Signal, it got bought out. He was now one of the higher ups for helicopter parts sales in Honeywell. Um, so he was like the manager of the whole sales team and when i'm talking sales team it's not like these people are calling normal people it's b2b sales so he was actually one of his accounts at this time around this time was like the entire like um navy that u.s navy that kind of goes by south america so like it was like an entire branch of the fucking army or the military that he was uh working with and shit so like anyways he's at a convention he's working this booth and this is around the time where he's like for at least the last year, on and off, feeling really bad, feeling okay, having weird pains on his shoulder, on his back, goes to the ER. This is a year long, and he's doing things like acupuncture. They're telling him, oh, you broke a rib or whatever. They can't tell him why he keeps having these things. Mm. So eventually, he's at this fucking conference, and while I'm calling my dad, during while watching The Secret, he's like, I just don't, I don't feel good. I remember him telling me this. Yeah. So then the following week, he goes to the ER again because he feels so not good that he has to go to the ER. And it, this is like right after the last time he we went to the doctor, they told me he had a broken rib. Why would he have a broken rib? So they're like, fuck it, let's just do a whole CAT scan. And they're like, oh shit, so your results from the scan came back. You not only have cancer, it's stage four cancer. It started in your liver and already spread or started in your bladder and already spreads your liver. So um, I'm like, oh, we're good. Law of attraction, the secret. So I'm trying to stay positive the whole time and I'm trying to keep them positive the whole time. But it ends up not turning out great. You know, it was actually really bad. I mean, six months later, he was gone. So. That after that, I kind of just turn a blind eye towards the secret. Well, probably worse than a blind eye, it's probably like a pain point for you. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, did he manifest cancer? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. It, well, I don't know what necessarily caused it. It could have been any number of things. Yeah. One, he was sixty-five. Um, two, he went to the Vietnam War as a helicopter pilot several times, and they would use this thing called Agent Orange to kill the, oh, the trees, yeah, so you could see chemicals, right? Yeah, and yeah. it caused hella cancer with yeah. all the Vietnam vets. Yeah. So it could have been that he was also an alcoholic up until till his fifties. He was also a smoker into his fifties. So yeah. any yeah. number of things. Yeah, man. Well, sorry about your dad and stuff. And I think that's a perfect thing to bring up, though, because it's it's. There's a lot of people who have stigmas around the law of attraction and the secret because 
it's i think dave Chappelle is a joke he's like that's a bunch of bullshit you don't think there's a starving kid in africa trying to manifest a sandwich you know like and i'm like oh yeah that's true and like a lot of people say like oh well the secret works if it's working for you like of course you believe in it and you need a way to justify the good things in your life like because it's it's natural like we we don't want to take all the credit we're humble if if you're a seen person right so you give it to the universe you're like thank you for this i'm grateful but if it doesn't work like what's that what's that bullshit so I think that you do believe in the law of attraction, man. You just, the secret, I think, did a huge disservice to that community and to that powerful concept of the law of attraction. Yeah. Massive disservice because it only talked about your thoughts are things, what you think about, you bring about, and it's pretty much Amazon Prime with the universe. Two days, (laughs) it'll be delivered on your door. Yeah. And, you know, it's bullshit if it doesn't work. And it's like, why would you put that in people's head? Yeah. There's the law of attraction, LOA. That's what it's abbreviated as. Then there's a huge component, which is the law of Goya, G-O-Y-A. Stands for get off your ass. You can't just manifest things to you like that, like Amazon Prime overnight, and it just shows up. You actually have to do work. Yeah. You gotta be consistent with it. You gotta like everything stems from a belief. So call it law of attraction, call it positive thinking, call it self-development, call it shit on a stick. I don't care. Like it's all the same thing. And when you were talking about it earlier, with there's a particle here and it moves this over here. Remember that? And it like mirrors each other. Like if you believe that you believe in manifesting in the law of attraction. So yeah. I think it's, it's less, if you believe it or not, you do believe it because of that. And the second thing is the stigma around it for you and, and why it might be kind of like, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, this thing's bullshit is, is probably the story with your dad and whatnot probably. that yeah. stems from that movie, The Secret, which I think is actually a disservice to the whole community. Interesting. So, like, when I hear things like, get off your ass, yeah. in my, I guess, in just the way I perceive it and the way I've categorized it in my head, as soon as we get into talking about taking action, that's where I'm like, oh, we're not actually in the law of attraction realm anymore. Now we're in the personal development realm. Um, Because in my, I guess, the way I perceive it, the way I would define it in my head if I created my own urban dictionary for yeah, it yeah, is right. like law of attraction is trying to manifest with your thoughts without doing action. The second you start talking about taking action, now you're someone who's just obsessed working towards a goal. So that's a good, good point. Great point. And I thought the exact same thing. So it goes law, law of attraction, then law of Goya, right? And then you actually get the thing cause you're in alignment with it. But then that's the key. You have to be in alignment with it. All right. So here's LOA or law of Goya. There's another thing right up here that presupposes all of that. And it's vibration and energy and alignment and like being congruent with things. Cause if you believe something, but your actions aren't in align with alignment with that, it's not going to happen. You know, that's running. Is it East looking for a sunset sunrise? I don't know which one, but mm-hmm. l- that's what you're doing. You have to be in alignment with all of it. You have to like believe it and act in accordance with it. Otherwise it won't happen. So I think where people go wrong with it is they only go after the action with self-development this is the camp I was in last year where I was like, I'm going to act to be a millionaire. Like, I'm just going to do everything. I'm going to go to all the events. Yeah. I'm going to take all the business courses. I'm going to spend 66 grand on it. I'm going to act, 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 muscle my way to a million dollars. And that works for some people because, you know, they believe it. They believe they have faith in it. I had faith in it, but like, I wasn't necessarily in alignment with it. But then there's the people in this camp, which is I'm just going to sit all day, do my 50 affirmations and visualize it and blah, 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 blah. But they're not taking the action. So that's incongruent right here. But when you have an alignment right here and it's all working together, that's really where it clicks open. So where I'm where I'm going with that is that if you're too extreme in one of the camps, again, the middle path, right? You're too extreme in one of the camps. That's not alignment. 
Like that's that's not going to work for you. It and if you're running into issues, it's one of those two, right? It's got to be both. Um, is that making sense? Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's like they're all necessary. You got to know where you want, know what you want, put yeah. out that energy, but also work your ass off towards it. Exactly. And I think you'll work harder and get better results when you're in alignment with it and you believe it. Mm. Because if you don't believe it, if you have doubts in your head, well, guess what? That's like jumping out of a plane and being like, maybe my parachutes, did, did I pack my parachute right? Like I've done it a hundred times, but maybe this was the time where it didn't. You get all in your head. If you go up to approach a girl and you're like, maybe this is the time she throws a drink in my face and tells me to fuck yeah. off and like everything I've been fearing, like maybe this is really the time. You're n- How is your action going to be? Yeah. Even if subconsciously you're thinking like, she's going to throw a drink in my face. All women, you know, they're bad. Like I had that. She's going to cheat on me again. Like your actions are going to be fucked up by that, man. So, yeah, you need the law of attraction because that rewires your brain that, oh, it's possible. Oh, okay, I can do it. Mm. I, thoughts are things. What I'm actually thinking is actually affecting what how I'm acting. Yeah. And so that's really where I want to like shake people and be like, ah, mm. the secret. Like, no, it's more than that. I think there was a question I asked you the last time you were here about like, do you think you were born with a chip on your shoulder or like what caused it? Maybe, maybe it was you, maybe it was someone else. I don't want to talk about that with someone about like a chip on the shoulder and what caused it. Um, and I think it's interesting because when we talk about like, you need to think that way and then that'll affect how you act. I maybe think I'm unique or maybe I'm not unique. Um, you guys let me know, right? Because when I had those moments, like the Sean Malto thing or any number of things, when my dad tells me, oh, I don't want to get you P90X cause you're not going to do it every day. So I save it up and buy it and I do it every day for three years. Yeah. Or when I'm 250 in eighth grade and I lose a bunch of weight because I want to be a good basketball player in one summer, I'm 170. Um, these little moments, whenever I felt like I was at a disadvantage, I just worked my ass off towards getting it. And so I felt inspired to work harder mm. to get it. And I feel like a lot of people, I don't know if that's common and i don't know what it is about my childhood that gave me that chip on the shoulder that made it to where when i saw resistance i was like fuck that i'm gonna overcome it are most people like that or i feel like a lot of people are like oh okay well maybe i should stop because of that thing right because they don't have the perspective so okay what you just said of like fuck that i'm gonna prove them wrong right i've had some of that motivation Right too in my life, and I I have a lot of that actually. I think yeah. a lot of guys can relate to. I'm a proven wrong. That girl who dumped me, I'm a prover wrong. It's a very basketball dad, player mentality too. It's, it's like yeah, you're it's, you're taught, hey, if you're not working right now, your competition's out there practicing right now. So like, are you gonna just let them outwork you? And so yeah. I think that is yeah. probably where it started. But here's the thing: there's a lot of pain in those words. I'm gonna prove them wrong. That's not your higher self talking. That's some ego. Yeah. So my challenge. And I'm in this camp with everybody. I'm not saying I'm above you. I'm, I'm, I'm in this camp. We're all guys. What happens after you get the thing that proves them wrong? Does it ever go away? Does it ever end? Or are you going to go on to the next battle to fight and prove them wrong too? When are we going to stop fighting yeah. and be like, oh, let's actually enjoy the thing. And maybe that's not the best way to get it. Yeah. And that's, that's the question, man. And that's what I'm realizing is like proving them wrong is living for someone else. They still have control and power over yeah. you. The very words prove them wrong has nothing to do with you. And a lot of the times they, they're not even around to be like, like, okay, you proved your dad wrong. You're 45. He's dead. Now you're a millionaire and successful. How are you ever going to make peace with that? It's never going to end. It's going to carry over to the next person. You're going to project that energy onto right. your wife or onto your best friend or under. It, it's just, 
I think that's a lower vibrational energy of mm. proving people wrong. I think there's a higher vibrational energy, which we talked about, which is what excites me. Yeah. What makes me happy internally. And I know that sounds a little woo, but like I, I go back to the passion. I go back to the flow. I go back to the present. I go back to what excites you. Mm. And that is a much higher vibrational energy than proving someone wrong. Mm. Do you agree? I have a lot of thoughts. I don't know if I disagree or agree. I think what what I'm thinking is maybe maybe a little bit of it was to prove them wrong, but I think for me it was more, and I, I realized this from a, another childhood experience actually, uh, I, I feel like it was more just like I feel like I'm capable, therefore I should show that I am capable. That's higher. That's okay. higher. See, proving and, them wrong is here. It's like, oh, I'm going to get back at you. Right. I'm capable of more. That's excitement energy. That's, okay. that's a higher vibrational one right there. So that's the other thought I have is because you always, when people talk about energy and law of attraction, they talk about low vibration. Right. High vibration. Right. I was talking to a guy who you know, um, Ian Stanley. Oh, yeah. At the Mastermind, I was talking to him because he used to do these lion heart retreats. And I was like, explain this to me because I've had people explain it to me. And to me, it still sounds a little yeah confusing. Yeah. I, would, I said that. But energy, to me, yeah. it was... Cheesy woo-woo. Right. Did you hear about the Lionheart? I did not. Okay, so the Lionheart is all about like, from what I understand, it seems like a lot of NLP, but it's it's like you have an inner child who's very ego-driven. You have an inner teenager who's very fearful, very like wants validation. You have an adult side, and it's like which one of those is acting through you right now, and that's oh, yeah. kind of the whole methodology. And in my head, I think of that in the same way I think of when people talk about like low vibration, high vibration. In the same way, when I talked about the science, if I arbitrarily said electrons are positive and protons are negative, it doesn't change anything because that's just a label I put on it. So in my opinion, objectively speaking, devil's advocate here. Yeah. What makes it low vibration? Is it Can I measure that vibration and actually say it's on a lower than this one? Or is it that I am going to call this one the higher one because I believe through my frame of reference that's the more um, morally, ethically correct way, right? Because in my opinion, I'm like, well, if one, this way gets me the, the result, is it inherently bad? Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, There's um, a really good book called Power Versus Force. And it goes into that. And oh. it's it's perfect. I'm going to pick up. that up. Yeah, it's really dense. Okay. I tried to get the audio book, fell asleep three times. But... Um, Really badass book. Mm. And there's two things from it I want to share on related to that. So the title, Power Versus Force. Having power, you could get the same result if you force it, but that's pushing it, right? That's that's exhausting. You're going to be tired. You're going to be burnt out. It's going to be a struggle. But then there's power, which is more like pulling it or, or getting getting pushed yourself, right? Um, so that's the first thing is like, okay, am I using power or force to get the to get the thing? But the second thing that's more relevant with vibrations is uh, it's by, I forget his name, Hawking's is his last one. And he has a chart that everyone can look up. It's called the Hawking's chart. And it's like this cone-shaped chart. And it's a rainbow-colored cone, which doesn't help the, the woo on this. But it's uh, ranking emotions based on their vibrational frequencies. Now, I don't know the methodology behind that. That could be a whole podcast. You can read the book to go into it. Um, I, I, he measured it somehow. He was able to quantify. Uh, I don't know if it was peer reviewed and really, you know, had all these awards with it, but he was somehow able to quantify energy. And he finds that the lower emotions are like shame, fear, guilt, right? And those are like dark red. Think like swamp, low, sinks you down. Even when infrared. you say, yeah, infrared, mm -hmm. baby. When you see, when you say shame, guilt, fear, like that does not sound good. 
And then you get up to eventually neutrality where you're kind of apathetic or that's a little bit below there. And then you start getting in these higher consciousness states of like love, peace, belonging, acceptance, and it keeps going up. So things resonate better. And even if how he got to those, okay, let's rank these, you can argue with the methods all day long, but think in your life when you actually felt like you were most on purpose and most present. Was it when you were fearful, shameful, guilty? No, you felt shitty. That Those emotions suck. Mm. We can all, you know, subjectively agree to that. Um, but when you feel love, peace, belonging, all that stuff, like you feel better. Yeah. So let's just accept that that Hawkins chart is true. And so what you're saying is, okay, if I'm here and it gets me the same result, why even elevate? But what I'm saying and what that book says in the whole law of attraction space, I would really call it like manifesting or spirituality, whatever you want to call it, yeah. metaphysical space. Um, would say is that, yeah, but the higher one's going to make you happier along the way mm. and you get it better, faster, and with less effort when you elevate toward that. Got it. That's, that's yeah, the best way I know to explain it. No, that makes sense. So that I guess that that helps me ex explain to me like why it's considered a higher vibration versus yeah. lower vibration. I just, because they actually measure it. it. That's, that's the thing. Got it. But I know the whole world, vi that's the thing with the lingo. Right, I think the camp and the lingo. A lot of people don't go really deep on it. Yeah. Um. Like like we would do with you know we spent <laughs> one and a half hours talking about aliens and stuff. Like we go deep, and once you have the logical explanation to it, I think you're really able to accept it and use it. And that's kind of my mission now on the channel with Refusing to Settle. We pivoted all over the place and yeah. we finally settled in this camp. I didn't think. Dude, I'd I'm be seeing here. there's some really serious growth that's coming back to yeah, your channel. Crazy. It's crazy. I mean, that's a whole tactical conversation. We could talk tactics. That's inspiring but, uh, to me too. Energetically, it is. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed, but I, I didn't post for like a while, yeah. six, seven months, and then I started posting again. Views are down, way down. Yeah. Um, it's like one-fifth what it was before, and I feel like it seems like right now, without having some wide perspective, but right now in the weeds, it feels like man, this is never going to end. I'm never going to get my channel back or whatever. Did yeah. the algorithm take, did they take me out of the algorithm? Yeah, did people, they channel people go to the algorithm. That's always coaching, you know, coaching people like my channel's not growing. It's the algorithm. And again, like you want to look at this on what we're talking about and put this in perspective, like prove them wrong comes into play there, man. Like I, I was in that camp for like a year or two. I was trying to get back to these numbers I had in 2017 where I was getting like 12,000 subscribers, 11,000 subscribers a month, one month, 17,000, like millions of views, like all this stuff. And I was always comparing myself. Like I got to get back. I got to go back and uh, chase that video. I did recreate it, try and do it better. And I was so obsessive about it. Logging in every morning I would start. And if the numbers were up, it was a good day. Okay. We're getting back there. Yeah. And if they were down, it was a shitty day. Like, why am I even, I don't even want to I get that way video. with my bank account, bro. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So like once I started shifting all this stuff, it's been really inspiring to see the numbers correspond to it. And now we're back to where we were at 2017, you know, and it's in a totally different niche, totally different area. But, um, I don't know. I think it has to do with like the mindset you put yourself in and like being okay with you're not your results. You're not identified with these markers. Like men especially have a need to quantify things. How much money do you make? How many girls have you slept with? How much can you bench press? And I think we're really bad at um, anything without a number. It's really hard for us, which is why more men aren't into spirituality and metaphysics and all that stuff. Because it's like, how do you prove? Like, give me the science, dude. Yeah. I want to quantify something. But I think that's a double-edged sword because it's good for building a business and going after it and laser-focused, right? And mm, do this one thing until it's done and force our way there. But I, man, how much more powerful could you be if you 
weren't identified as much with the numbers, if you know that you're more than just these metrics we compare ourselves by, if it's more about the experience, because like, okay, you got a million dollars, go rob a bank. Do that. Oh, you, you slept with 100 women. Go hire 100 hookers. Like, isn't the method you get that equally as important as the actual metric? But our logical brains can't wrap around that sometimes. You know? Mm, it's just yeah. some self-awareness I've had around it. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, on that note, I feel like we've been going two hours. We should <laughs> we should fucking just end it on that high note, bro. We uh, talked about everything from UFOs, conspiracies, Nazis, yeah. to... Uh, energetic vibrations in the quantum field. I, f I feel like, yeah, there's yeah. nothing left to talk. About. So for the, so for the crazies who are still listening to us, yeah. quick announcement before we get out of here, we're officially on every podcast platform, Apple, Spotify, you name it, all of them. We're on all of them. So if you don't like watching the video one, or sometimes you feel like you can't commit two hours watching a video, listen to us at the gym, listen to us in the car, go to Spotify, look us up, hashtag raw and relentless. You will find us. Cause my big face is on that icon doing this. <laughs> so quick announcement but yeah man uh it was a pleasure having you on Sick, dude. and i definitely want to have you on on a regular basis if you look at some of these like joe rogan perfect example he has his friends on all the time especially during quarantine <laughs> where it's hard to get guests to fly in but true. um true that yeah, man yeah so anytime we'll have to have you on back on we can, i we've already talked for collectively like four hours on my channel so yeah. i'm sure we could keep going for <clears throat> decades and keep riffing dude anytime yeah, yeah for sure man thank you See you guys.